Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks around the world, welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 50. We don't have anything special lined up. I know this is actually kind of a milestone episode, but we don't really have anything lined up because we've been, A, gone for so long, and B, we're still slowly kind of getting into the swing of things again. And we were aiming to have a Premier League preview before the start of the season, but now we're already two weeks in. We've already had a lot to talk about, so we'll get into that at the second part of this episode. I'll put the time codes for those those parts in the show notes, for, so be sure to check those out if you are just interested in one part or the other. The first part of this episode, though, Willie, is going to be talking about one team in particular. This one team has been in the headlines all season. For the first part of the season, it was because they were going to break record after record after record for how many games they were going to win, how well they were playing, etc. Now, since the trade deadline, they have been in the headlines for all of the wrong reasons, Willie. Let's start off this episode. You wanted to talk about this one team in particular, the New York Yankees. Let's talk about the Yankees first. What do you do. what do you have for us? You wanted this to to lead off the show. I do. And um I so to preface this by saying that um the Yankees are definitely one of the most interesting topics in baseball right now. This is a great time of year with how interesting the sport is. They are in the midst of a terrible slump where I believe they've now lost I believe it's 12 of their last 15 or something like that. But um, every ever since the All-Star break, um, the team has been uh, playing terribly. Um, and, you know, they, they built up this unprecedented division lead. Um, you know, before the All-Star break, everything was clicking for the team. And, and they've just really fallen off a cliff and it, you know, it it kind of resembles, you know, one of their past teams, I believe, you know, 08, 10, uh, people are talking about. But I guess the, the big thing for me is that I, you know, you look at the, I, I thought that they were really on point with what, what they talked about on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast when they were talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox. And um, the Yankees right now, Despite the injuries they have, they have a lot of injuries, um, and despite the vast struggles, you have to think they're going to turn it around this season at some point. Um, you know, base, ba- the playoffs are not won in, in August. They're won in October. And um, to me, while I think that they were, it does seem accurate that they were a little overrated. I am kind of a little baffled that they, with the decisions they made at the trade deadline, I think the book on the Yankees for a long time has been, you know, do they have the pitching? And so to trade for Bader, but give away Montgomery, it's kind of a interesting one. And, you know, one of the things they were talking about on the, on the broadcast and I do agree with, but just overall, it's just not only do you not really replace him, but you could have gotten, you know, Luis Castillo or, or a big time pitcher out there and they didn't do it. So to me, I, I look at the situation as I do believe that the offense who's been in a crazy slump is going to turn things around, but I just look at the end of the day and, and unfortunately I just don't see quite enough there to win the title. That's my thing is like, I think my take on the situation is they're way better than this. 
I think they'll turn it around at some point. But I just don't think there's quite enough there, to, uh, particularly with their moves at the trade deadline and with the cover kind of being barren a little bit to uh, win it all. That, that's kind of my take. And I know I did say that a couple weeks ago. I would still pick them, and I've changed my mind. You, so, you yeah. said, I mean, you said you would you would still pick them to win the whole thing, or are you you're standing by your well, original last podcast? I did say that if I had to pick now, I would say like last podcast we did. I did say the Yankees. I thought if I had to ch- pick now, would do it. And I've changed my mind. I just don't think there's enough there for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, yep. there there's a number of ways we can look at this. And and I know the start of 2021 when we sat down with your friend Matt and we had a a long discussion about what the Yankees have as far as just the raw pieces. I mean, this was Garrett Cole's first full season. This was obviously after the COVID-shortened pandemic season. And, uh, or pandemic-shortened season, rather. And they, you know, they, they weren't where they wanted to be yet. They weren't in that position. On paper, the roster was, they had every every tool they needed to, in our view, be successful and put together a winning ball club in 2021. That did not happen. They ended up losing the wild card game to the Red Sox, which, you know, three years after mm-hmm. losing to the Sox again in the ALDS, can't have a, a very nice, doesn't feel very good for Yankees fans. And so this year, for the first three, four months of the season, they were unplayable. You you could not beat the Yankees in a two out of three or a three out of five or a three out of four. You, you just couldn't do it. They were, they were, for the first few months of the season, the best team in baseball, barring maybe the Dodgers. But the Dodgers haven't really, they hadn't really hit their stride at that point, at least the, the historic it. tear they're on right. And I think that their yes. pace right now is 113 wins. I mean, they lost Yeah, today, I saw that. They, they, they actually, I think actually the pace was 118 100, before was, the Brewers, before they lost the Brewers on Monday. Okay, so yeah, so they were on a ridiculous pace, a literal historic pace to win in, in 2022. And... They have the they is in the Yankees. They have fallen off since then. They they have been. I mean, it, it yesterday they needed a, a walk off grand slam by Josh Donaldson <laughs> to bail them out of potentially getting and a, swept and a, a Rizzo heroic. Right, exactly. So they they needed a lot of help and and big moments from players. Those are the moments that that do kind of that can turn things around for a team when they are Mm -hmm. struggling. But at the same time, they shouldn't have had to be in that place in the first place. Because when you, when you look at how good they were, it was, it was a combined effort all around the team. It wasn't just Aaron judge being unstoppable. It wasn't just, it wasn't just contributions from guys you wouldn't expect like Anthony Rizzo. I don't think anyone expected Rizzo to, to perform this way before he broke his foot and is probably out for probably out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Bummer. And so we weren't expecting this from the Yankees, but to, to see them fall this far back this quickly, I think there was a a really funny stat. I mean, this is obviously no correlation in any, any stats. People are going to get on me for, for bringing this up, but I think it's just funny since the trade with Joey with the Dodgers for Joey Gallo, <laughs> the Yankees and Dodgers out. had opposite records. I think it was like the Yankees were one and nine, and the Dodgers were nine and one. Mm-hmm. 
with since that trade and it, it just it just made me laugh because it's like i know this is not what is causing them to play really poorly but no sure the player that was completely lambasted by yankees fans mm-hmm. new york sports media alike they all tore into joey gallo for for yes, weeks did. on end leading into the trade and now that he's gone and he's in la and he seems exponentially happier in southern california which you know you and i are talking about this on a personal level it, it it's it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. but it, it's just it's it's it really is baffling and let's look at it this way not only do the yankees have a worse record than the mets the yankees have a two-game lead in the loss column on the atlanta braves the braves and the yankees have won the exact same number of games as of today yeah. The as Braves of, have been an absolute terror since April. The I mean, Braves have been, they're 9-1 in their last 10, and they have one of the best records in yes. baseball since the start of June, which is yes, really when do. the season started. I mean, they went on the 14-game win streak, mm-hmm. and since then they've been one of the best teams in baseball. You know, it just it just took a little bit for the defending world mm-hmm. champs to get going. And, and Willie, you, you made this comment on our last podcast. We talked about uh, Matt Olson. I'm wearing a, a Matt yeah. Lana T-shirt uh, from Roto Wear. Yeah. Highly, highly recommended yeah. T-shirts for for bit for big baseball fans. Nice. <laughs> Matt Olson has been playing way better as of late. He was on a eight game hit streak that I think ended yesterday sure. because he he eight game hit streak. Yeah, which is obviously not a huge sample size, but he's he's much more comfortable at the plate. He's saying he feels like his feet are underneath him. And if Matt Olson gets going with the guys hitting around him in Dansby Swanson, who's playing MVP caliber baseball, Austin Riley, who's an MVP contender, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's starting to get hot again. The series in New York actually actually right after we taped our last podcast, that one is what really got Ronald going because he started hitting the ball to right field and kind of playing playing with a smile and not really, you know, being so, I guess, you know, he, he was playing Ronald Acuna Jr. baseball, which for, for those who, who watch the game, you kind of know what that means. It's it's a lot of, it's high energy. It's a lot of mm-hmm. passion. It's it's it, it's fun to watch, objectively. I, I don't know how you can not enjoy watching Ronald Acuna Jr. unless you're a Mets fan or a Phillies fan or certainly a Marlins fan. The Marlins have some agenda against Ronald. I don't know why. Probably because he, he owns them like every other team in this division. But the Braves have been playing really good baseball as of late and the yeah. Yankees have not. But the Yankees were on such a historic pace to start the year that now they are only effectively in the standings one game ahead of the Atlanta Braves. That it's, is insane. Yeah. To consider where they were just a month ago or two months ago. Yeah, it's it's um I think Owen that's a great illustration. I think A it shows that good teams in baseball can really go on rolls. I mean sometimes you'll see teams go on huge winning streaks, right? So you know, you saw it with the Yankees, you saw it with the Dodgers, you're you saw it with the Mets. Um, you know, like the Braves have been playing great baseball for for you know, last four months. So uh, that's one thing. But the other side, Owen, is it's just, it's not only the, the losing streak itself, but the, like the manner in which it's happened, which is crazy. I mean, you know, the, uh, like the offense for the Yankees has just fallen off a cliff. All the numbers have gone down. They had that scoreless streak where they didn't score for over 20 innings. Um, you know, 
the the team has had some actually um you know some decent pitching and um it's not they still haven't won the games um which is the scary thing and i know you know so it, it's just one of those things where you're just like like how does this happen like how 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 can can Obviously, people will point to the injuries, but how can how can hitters all slump so badly at the same time? It just doesn't make any sense. To me. It it doesn't, and it's it's funny you bring that up because I I was I, I saw this clip on Twitter yesterday where Stephen A. Smith was going in on on the Yankees, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how. They're, you know, in classic Stephen A. Smith, they're an embarrassment to watch and mm-hmm. they're horrible, they're garbage, terrible, mm-hmm. horrible to watch, worse than the Mets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he had this take where he he was putting some of the blame on Aaron Judge because that night before the first mm-hmm. take episode, he went 0 for 4. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there thinking, Aaron Judge has probably got the short end of the stick as much as any MVP frontrunner ever can Mm -hmm. in the sense that he is not capable of carrying an entire team Mm -hmm. as no player can carry by themselves a whole team. That's just not how baseball works. Basketball and soccer may be a little different, but baseball is a sport where one player is not going to carry Mm -hmm. a team. See the Los Angeles Angels. That's right. But Aaron Judge has been carrying the Yankees all season. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his baseball savant page, Willie. I want to highlight for you the numbers that are top five or above percent of the of of the Go league. Ahead. Those yeah. numbers. His weighted on base average of 442 is wow. top one percent. Yeah. His barrel percentage, 26.4 percent, top one percent of the Great league. Stat. His yeah. hard hit percentage, 60 percent, top one percent of the league. His average exit velocity, 95.5, top one percent of the league. Mm-hmm. Expected batting average 297. He's hitting oh 297. His expected slugging percentage of 701, and his expected weighted on base average. All of those metrics are top one percent of the league. And I I would guess that for all of those, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would guess for all of those, he's not number two or three. He's probably number one on those on all of those. If you know, if not one, then two. You know the only, you know one of the only offensive stats he's not leading in though. Probably, uh, probably OPS. Hits. And Hits. You know has the most hit. Um, it's not somebody you'd expect. Uh, so you could say you you could say you expect it. Hits. Who am I? Who? who well, I mean, like, you know, maybe because they have a good eye, maybe not, and they take walks. You no, know, but yeah, who do you think has the most? Hits? Uh. It's not. Is it Lemayhew? No. It's a good guess, though. Uh, I mean, he he's kind of the default guess for a lot of people. Mm, I don't know if it's on my head, actually. Freddie Freeman has the most hits in the league, yeah, and okay. Trey. Well, he's tied with Trey Turner. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just want to say, I just want to say, some someone was hyping up Trey, Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman for playing in every game so far this year. A Freddie Freeman did that all the time in Atlanta and has not got none Every of the respect game? he is nope. now. Wow. wow. And yeah. B, so is Dansby Swanson. 
Yeah. But no one wants to talk about Dancy Swanson because he doesn't play in L.A. It, it, yeah, the, sure. the anti-Atlanta bias is so real in sports media. But look, Braves are defending world champions. I could yeah. care less about the, the exposure. I mean, if you want to keep doubting the Braves and the fact that they just took three out of four from the first place Mets, the lead is now three and a half games left. Uh, three and a half games back for the Braves in the division. Uh, look, all I'm saying is the Braves are world champs for a reason. No, no, for sure. They're they're great. But um, I, I do want to um, not gloss over the great breakdown you did of Aaron Judge. That was fantastic. It shows how amazing of a season he's having. You know, probably the best player in baseball. Um, you know, so he's doing incredibly, absolutely. Um, and... You know, I, I think, you know, first of all, it 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 shows just, uh, first of all, I just want to say that Aaron Judge in a Yankee uniform overall has just been fantastic. I mean, even going back years, he's just been fantastic. You know, he, mm. he's produced, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, and I didn't think he'd be this good, but. The guy for me, and I, I, I know this is taking a little bit of a different direction, but the guy for me that really, if I were a Yankee fan, would start to be a little annoyed with is, John, is Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, mm. it just seems like he's got the injury bug all the time. Yeah. And um, this guy who they've invested massive amounts of money, it's just it just seems like... Now this is the time when Judge is having this career season when you'd you'd get and you know LeMahieu's been other than the injuries very good for the last few years like it just you man if they could just get that like few headed monster it just seems like Stan to me like I don't know how we're gonna look back on this contract I know look I know he's had very good uh, periods with the Yankees absolutely but. I don't know about you. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it does, it does seem like a little more consistency from Stan would have helped. Yeah, and and I think the, the problem that you're highlighting with Judge is the fact that the Yankees built their lineup for 2022. You know, this is obviously before before anyone, before the season started, before we knew Judge was going to be the MVP front runner. Yeah. If, if the world didn't have Shohei Otani for team, because Shohei Otani is the most valuable player in, in all of sport, in all of baseball. There's there's no question mm-hmm. what he provides on a nightly basis. But this season, because Otani won last year, I think that's affecting everyone's perception of him this year. But yeah. Aaron Judge is in this Yankees lineup in such a way that he needs to be protected on both sides, especially the way he's playing right now. He needs someone in front of him who you can't really pitch to and someone yeah. behind him who you can't really pitch to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have that because... No, he doesn't. LeMahieu has been inconsistent. Rizzo has been off and on. He's been good in some ways, bad in others. Not not bad, but not so great in others. Not as good. Stanton's been inconsistent. And Donaldson hasn't been what the Yankees would have expected or what the Yankees would have hoped. So there's a little bit of like, okay, well, we we need these guys to be better protection for the guy who's probably going to run away with the AL MVP. But they, they haven't done that. And it, it's led to, A, I think this this goes not not unnoticed a lot because it was, it was obviously the big narrative in spring training. But Aaron Judge is in a walk year 
This is his walk year. He bet yeah. on himself, and he is going yes, to get paid handsomely by whoever it is, whether it's the Yankees, whether they decide to sack up and pay him, or whether a team like the Giants, who he grew yeah. up rooting for, and is going to have a lot of payroll flexibility in tw- mm. for 2023 and beyond, whether they come in with a high AAV contract for, say, right. four or five years. Totally. totally. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that this is Aaron Judge's last year in a Yankee uniform, and the Yankees have effectively wasted totally. his what is probably going to be his career year. Wasted and um, yeah, no, they have wasted what is going to be career. You're right; they have no protection. Um, and you know, like yes, like they said, there's no guarantee that he's going to resign. They missed the opportunity to sign him. Now he's going to command a huge price, which I'm not sure even the Yankees want to pay. So yeah, and I think I think you're ultimately right that they built they built the team to to have this huge monster and have protection and you know when when Sten's hurt all the time like he's been really for the you know a few of the last seasons um um and when you know uh, they they obviously thought Gliber Torres was going to be very good and he he seems like he's not the same player that they thought he was going to be it's just all of a sudden the cover lays bare a little bit, and I do think I do want to say I I, I I don't know the best form of lineup construction, but it it does really feel like you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Padres, um, you look to some extent at the Astros, they have these really really good top four five hitters, and the Yankees should have that, but they just don't. You know. They they have it on paper, but they haven't performed this year for for whatever reason. And it's just it's like look, they're they're out at, at they're they're at a point in this year where they're going to win the division anyways. They're still going to mm-hmm. win the division. They they have a nine game lead on both Toronto and Tampa Bay. Both of those teams are playing better as of late, and the Yankees are trending in the wrong direction. But if you ask me, right now, the Yankees still win this division, and. It's not. It's not that they are unwatchable. It's not that they're bad. They're bad by New York expectations. They're bad yep. by Yankee expectations, and they're bad by their own earlier in the season expectations and and how they played relative to what they are now. It just happens when when teams are that good, and that, and that shows you how good the 2001 Seattle Mariners were because they won 116 games. The Dodgers are on pace to win 100, and and I think it's now 13. We it was pre, we talked about yeah, the second. They lost previously to the Brewers. Yeah. Exactly. Previously 118. Now it's like 113. That's a lot of games. I. I said they were going to win 117 to start the year and about two <laughs> months in i was like wow my pick doesn't look so great it's looking a lot better right now especially yes. when you consider yes. the fact that the padres are trending in the wrong direction even after trading for juan soto we haven't talked about fernando tatis jr we'll, we'll touch on that in a second because yeah. i just remembered we we mm. didn't that that was yeah. that was new and we we you know obviously yeah. haven't recorded since uh since or mm-hmm. uh, earlier this month but Mm-hmm. I want to segue briefly into the other New York team, Willie, because I've had mm-hmm. a bone to pick with the Mets for a long time. And it seems like every time the Mets have played the Braves this year, the Mets have gotten infield hit after infield hit. It's putting mm-hmm. a ball in play, the the kings of soft contact, putting a ball in play and just getting the benefit of a close play or 
the other team not being able to make a one in a million defensive play or, you know, it's a, a 20 foot swinging bunt that goes just past the pitcher's mound. It's stuff like that that's kind of driven me insane about watching the Mets all year. And it was it was good to see the Braves sneak uh, three out of four when you consider that the, the last two starters for the Mets in this four game series against Atlanta in Atlanta were Max Scherzer yesterday and Jacob deGrom today. Jacob deGrom, who went six and two thirds, three runs and took a loss. Yeah, that's a tough scene for for Mets fans when the best pitcher on the yeah. planet can get you a win against the defending world champs. But although the the defending world champs are hot right now, they are hot. Nine and one in their last ten games. So don't don't count out the 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 impact of of no. Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris II. Who Michael Harris II, boy's getting paid eight years, seventy two million dollar contract signed yesterday, staying in Atlanta for the foreseeable future. The that's core. The- in Atlanta is is here to stay. We got everyone it's a from pretty good uh, contract for the team too. Yeah, it's a team friendly contract, but also it's a rookie who is going to be paid for a long time. You've got Vaughn Grissom who just came up, Michael Harris a second, yep. Dansby Swanson who is apparently last I read in now in contract negotiations with with the Braves for a long term extension. Austin Riley who signed yeah. a big deal, Matt Olson who signed the big deal to start the year and Acuna Jr. and Albies who are both on on longer term contracts that are winding down somewhat but we'll still have them for at least another few seasons and I I would doubt that they would I I doubt that they wouldn't want to resign with the Braves should should they get to the point where they want to renegotiate and the Braves you know want them to stay but point being the Braves are trending in the right direction and it 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 pains me that this is it happened now and not like a week ago or two weeks ago when they played the Mets in New York. Yeah, because and the they, it was that long series. It was what, a five-game five series. Five it was a Thursday, games. Friday, Saturday doubleheader, yep. Sunday, five-game series. The Mets took four out of five. All of those games were three runs, decided by three runs or fewer. And all of those games featured a stupid number of instances where the Mets would just get some sort of soft contact and benefit from it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. It's not like they, I mean, game one, Kyle Wright gave up four home runs, which was, an, it's an uncharacteristic yeah. start of what Kyle Wright has been so far this year for the Braves. But outside of that, you look at their, you look at the analytics and so many Mets are overperforming. I mean, I I, I oh. had a little, a little live stream recently and I spent the first few minutes talking about this. So many Mets are outperforming their metrics. Oh, okay. Uh, and Luis Guillorme's expected batting average oh, is 258. Yeah. You know what he's hitting? He's hitting uh, 283. Is that based on his batting average and balls and plays? Probably. No, really no. High. It, yeah. So his expected batting average. Yeah. His XBA yeah. is 258. He's hitting 283. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say maybe that happens. Like sometimes you look at the, the batting average and balls and play and the number is like really high. Yes. The Mets to- all have very high batting average on balls and play. Okay. They are the BABIP kings of 2022. Yeah. Wow. So, and it's 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 things like that. And and you look at you look at the the barrel percentages, the hard hit percentages, the exit velo. The only player who has an exit velo of more than 90 miles an hour, right, or consistently yeah. in that neighborhood. Uh huh. It's Pete Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> and Daniel right. Vogelback, both at 90 and 90.1. Yeah, not not. Uh, it's that's, not that's good. True. And then the barrel percentage. You have so many guys in in the the blue on baseball savant, which is not where you want to be. You want to be in the red. They're blue. Jeff McNeil, two point five percent barrel percentage, which is literally yeah. he's just putting the bat on the ball and being fast. 
which I, yeah, sure. putting the bat on the ball is a skill. I will concede that he he's he's he was an all star this year, somehow. It's, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I made that joke earlier. The Mets broadcast uh, two days ago. They yeah. they had a dig at William Contreras. A because William Contreras's walkout music <laughs> is is Edwin Diaz's entrance music. It's uh, Narcos mm-hmm. or Narco and. Mm-hmm. They they were thinking, oh, this, this guy was an all-star somehow. And then he hits a 450-foot laser off of Carlos Carrasco. So that was a, that was a lot of fun to watch and to, to listen to the salt. <laughs> uh, Luis Guillorme's barrel percentage is 2.7%. That is bottom 7% of the league. Mark Canna's 3.2. Dom uh, I mean, Smith's not even on the team. Starling Marte's 6.9. I mean, like, look, sure. the Mets are in first place. They have a good team. They're playing good baseball. Mm-hmm. I will concede that. But I will not concede that the Mets are built to win in October. You cannot win on BABIP in October. That, sure. It is going to even out, especially when when the, I mean, we're not going to say, you can't really say it now, but we're kind of going to say it. Whoever plays the Dodgers for the, the pennant is going to have to bring their A game, and you can't show up yeah. with these barrel percentage numbers and have that be your A game. Because let's look at the Braves' barrel percentages for a second. They have mm-hmm. three players in the top five, top ten percent of the league. William Contreras, fifteen point four All Star. Mm-hmm. Marcelo Zuna, who hasn't who hasn't played <laughs> basically at all this series, he's in the top nine percent of the league. Austin Riley, one of the MVP front runners, sixteen point nine percent. Hard hit percentages: Ronald Acuna, fifty percent. Austin Riley, fifty three percent. I mean, Matt Olson, who's not even having a good year, forty nine percent. I mean, yeah, these guys are tearing the cover off the ball, but they're ha- they're getting extremely unlucky basically across the board Mm -hmm. so when you look at the two teams the only thing that's different is is the pitching staff or the 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 equalizer not the only thing that's different the equalizer is the pitching staff obviously the Mets have better pitching with Scherzer and DeGrom and of course Diaz in the back end and Chris Bassett and Bassett has been really good too but that's not to say the Braves are bad I mean the Braves have effectively three closers now I mean, yeah. Kirby Yates is, is working his way back and he hasn't been as effective as the Braves would like. But, you know, when you're coming off basically two and a half years worth of injuries, it's going to take a little bit to get that mm-hmm. kind of game sharpness. Sure. So the the gap is three and a half games as we sit and record this on yeah. August 18th, Willie. The gap is three yeah. and a half games. If sure. you had to pick right now, do you do you really have the have the balls to tell me who is going to win the National League East in 2022? Well, I'm curious. Do you think I'd actually pick Atlanta to win? The uh, I'm not going to pick Atlanta. <laughs> okay, you're going to pick them. Then. Yeah, okay. and it's it's because for for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I, I I don't I I just I don't know how to how to explain it. But it it basically it it feels to me like the Mets are they are they're one of those teams who. They just have that that thing every year about them that that in certain mm. situations that bounces just go their way, luck goes their way, and and to win a division sometimes you need a good bit of luck. I mean, look at the Giants in 2021. The Giants won one more game than the Dodgers, and the difference was yeah. a supposed check swing by Darren Ruff where he yep. actually went that won the Giants the division, and. Sure. That's, that's, that's that was the difference yeah. between the Dodgers winning the division and not winning the division last year, and then it, it equaled out in the postseason when Wilmer Flores was, was rung up. I mean, the Dodgers were going to win that game. I don't think that mm-hmm. that call was 
Like, you never want the call to end the game like that. But against Max Scherzer, I don't think Wilmer Flores necessarily had the the upper hand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, you have to play the game, and it, it, it sucks. I'm not I'm not saying it was good the game was called that way, but that's, you know, just being realistic about, about the, the matchup. I mean, Max oh. Scherzer against Wilmer Flores, Willie, are, are, you, are you actually taking Wilmer Flores? Because uh, I don't think anyone is. No, no. Yeah, I mean, maybe the most passionate, diehard Giants fan. But even still, you kind of got to admit, uh, Max Scherzer's yeah, kind of, he's, totally, he's, totally. He's, a, he's a bad dude. That's, that's a bad man right there. Yeah, so, for sure. Like, the, the Mets are built on putting the ball in play and having elite pitching. Yes. Elite, elite pitching. But sometimes you need starters, yeah. you need more than that to win in October. I could be wrong in three months' time when they're celebrating a World Series for the first time since uh, 1986. And how old were we in 1986, Willie? Oh, we weren't born yet. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> no, no I, but, I will say I, I do think that, you know, one of the good things about Matt, the Mets, right, is... Nothing. I, I just wanted, I do actually just want to give a little bit of credit to the front office for a second. I know you could say that they have, to your point, to your your point about the underlying metrics in the offense is a, you know, is a real concern, is a real red flag. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I will say I do just want to give a little bit of credit, you know, in the sense that, I mean, some of the players that they've gotten, I, I know that they're, you know not amazing players, but look, like, cause like, look, Jeff McNeil was a guy that was always a pretty good player, right? He was always a pretty good player, but obviously playing an all-star. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, to, look, I, I will say this, um, Starling Marte and Mark Hanna were, were two good additions to the team. So Willie, all this is to say that the Mets, look, I, I don't like them, but they're a good team. The Mets are a good team. They have made some good additions. They're backed by someone who's yep. a, who's not afraid to spend money, and that's really really important for a team that's aiming to do what they're trying to do. So, do I like it? No, but they are they are in front of the Braves for a reason, and there are three more games head to head between the two. They're all in Atlanta, so we'll see how how those how consequential those are at the end of the season. If the gap is under three games, then that series is going to be. I mean, this series in Atlanta felt like a playoff series. Absolutely. So it, it was just it was really good baseball all around. The Mets now go to Philadelphia, and the Braves welcome the Astros back to Atlanta for a World Series rematch. So this should be yep. a really interesting weekend of baseball. We could have a, a bigger gap or almost no gap by the time the, the weekend is over. So we'll yep. we'll see how things go. The Astros are playing really good ball, though. I mean, they they put up yeah. What was it? Twenty five today on the White Sox. Yeah, twenty one, twenty one to five. I think it was something like yeah, that. The Astros was, are yeah playing. Yeah, really- we didn't talk about them to start the year, but you know, he, as much as we we don't like it, Houston has built a really good team again, hmm. and I think it would be so nice for the Dodgers to win the World Series. Oh God, to, to clinch the World Series in Houston. That to me would be so incredible. The ratings would be great. Oh, that would be that would that would probably help help baseball yes. kind of grow in the absence of guys like. Uh, oh, before we before we move on, I said we were gonna we were gonna talk about the postseason picture and then um, and then move on to soccer, move on to Premier League. But we have to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. Willie. Yep. We have to talk about 
one of the biggest names in the sport being popped for using performance enhancing drugs and being suspended 80 games under MLB's policy. Willie, I want to give you my take quickly, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. My take is effectively this. Baseball is going to be fine in his absence, but it's not going to grow. Mm. What I mean by that is basically in order for the sport to continue to grow and continue to kind of get more popular and to get rid of this annoying perception that baseball is this stuffy game where you're not allowed to show emotion, you're not allowed to have fun, where mm. you can't upstage your opponent and, th- and things like that. And, and Tatis and Acuna and Soto, they're kind of the guys at the forefront of, of getting rid of that. And Jazz Chisholm, too, mm-hmm. give him a, a bit of a shout out. They're they're definitely working to dispel that. And to not have Tatis, Chisholm's been hurt for a while and you know, Acuna is still kind of getting back into his into into form, so he hasn't really been his best. To me, it's one of those things where the game will be fine without Tatis, but it won't be able to grow at the rate that it could while he is suspended. So, to me, it sucks and i feel for padres fans because when they got soto i was like oh man um Mm -hmm. this is going to be a problem when he comes back and he was he was in the middle of a rehab assignment too when he got suspended so it just it it hurts it hurts the game yeah i think the game will be fine long term but it won't grow at the rate that it could have otherwise had he not been suspended yeah i mean um I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think Tatis on his own is a great draw to the game. Now you combine it with how exciting the Padres are in general. Um, I I think it's a real shame for the sport, for sure. Um, and, yeah, and I'll just say, look, as humans, we all... My other take on it is just as humans, we all... You know, life's a learning process. You learn and move on. And, and you know, hopefully... Yeah, you know, just like anything, hey, that's interesting, that's what happened. We'll we'll do this better going forward and um you know, hopefully he'll you know, hopefully we'll see that. You know, I, I think um it's been tough and I think I think the one thing I will say is that, you know, the 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 motorcycle accident, I um that one, you know, the, the motorcycle accident for me is, look, he, he, people want to have fun, right? Like, it's just like, it's all right, you know. I don't know. I think the substance abuse one, as much, you know, I'm very into mental health in that matter. The, the one thing I'll say about the substance abuse one is just, even if he did, just learn and move on, and we, we all can. But I, I, I do hope that he was sincere with the fact he said he accidentally took it and he wasn't purposely taking peds whatever you think the rules should be i do purposely hope he wasn't doing it it's 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 funny you say that because shortly thereafter shortly after his his explanation his his kind of self-defense came out a lot of a lot of people on social media and reddit started talking about the substance itself clusterball and people were saying that there were a couple doctors who were chiming in that said clostebol is an anabolic steroid. You don't take an anabolic steroid for ringworm. You take yep. it was it was something I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it's it's 
similarly named. And to me, like, my, my whole thing was, like, look, I don't know the details. I don't know Fernando Tatis Jr. I wasn't there. So I, I'm going to, I can't really say objectively, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend to stand on some moral high ground with this scenario because mm-hmm. I don't know what was there. I don't know what the situation was. But in that scenario, it, it, what I would want say say this was like Ronald Acuna Jr. right and Acuna was was suspended for PEDs. Right. I I don't want him to say it was an accident. Yeah. I don't want him to admit he did it either. I want him to say I'm disappointed that this happened. I have no reason to. I have no intention of cheating the game that I have loved playing since I was a kid. I vow that I will take these steps to be a better person to do better in the future and for this to never happen again and i want to apologize to fans my teammates the organization etc so for for tatis to say that to me was a little bit of like okay you're you're running the risk of backing yourself into a bigger hole i agree and that can almost be be worse okay. from a fan's perspective if, if it's I my team totally agree because to me First of all, if he did do it on purpose, like, I I don't think the humans, I think everyone would have a lot of sympathy. We all do things we can learn from in life. So if he was just straightforward, hey, this happened, this is what happened. But I also agree. Like, even in the opposite scenario where it wasn't like, you know, I don't know, to give this part about ringworm, I mean, you know, I... I, I do agree you're kind of backing yourself into a corner there because I, I don't know if it was, you know, yeah, I just don't know if it was good to to say that. And, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't know for sure that that was necessary. And it it, it just goes it goes too far to, to try to do something like, dude, we get it. Nothing that you say is going to have this overturned. Just apologize and and. Val, you'll do better, work on doing better, and actually do better in the future. That's it. That's all we're asking as as fans, neutrals or partial fans. That's it. So And and, and also, you know, last thing is um Yeah, I, I, I would just say it 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 is a shame though that it is a real shame that that this is gonna I mean A Rod talked about it on the Sunday Base broadcast. It is a real shame that and it's really unfortunate that this is going to hang over him unfairly the rest of his career. Like no matter, not only as a person, which he, sh- your self worth shouldn't be knocked as a person ever, but um, as a player, I mean, people are always going to point to this now. It doesn't matter how much he it impacted little is impacted his play. Like his whole career, everyone's always going to be able to point back to the PED. So yeah. that part is very unfortunate as well. Yeah. So he will be he will not be a factor in the postseason Tatis, mm-hmm. but his team segueing into the, a, a bit of a postseason look before we get into the Premier League side of the podcast. His team is going to is more likely and more likely than not going to be there. They're not going to win the division. I mean, the Dodgers have a six. What is it? 16 points or 16, 16 games at this point. They're, they're up <laughs> a stupid number in the division. And. 
they're they're firmly in the wild card. I think they're they're a game and a half above above Milwaukee. They do they do need to to kind of pick it up a little bit. The 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 Brewers are right there, and I think the Cardinals, if they don't end up winning that division, have a good. I mean, whatever team from the Central is going to be, it's going they're gonna they're gonna have a pretty significant shot at that at that wild card. The NL East too is probably going to have three playoff teams as well. The the Braves and the Phillies right now are the two wild card teams outside of outside of the Mets. Yeah. And it it, it it could go any which way. I mean, at this point, it's looking more more so like it's going to be four teams for three spots between the Braves, Phillies, yeah. and Padres. Braves, Phillies, Padres, and Brewers on the outside looking in as as it stands right now. But also the Mets should they not hold on to this three and a half game lead could be in that position with Philadelphia as well. So, and conversely with the Cardinals, if they don't hold on to their lead, then the Brewers will be right there and, and you know, mm-hmm. you know how that would go. So that's yeah. the picture in, in the, in the national league. And then of course your division leaders in the West, the Dodgers by like a million games at this point, yep. the Dodgers are a wagon right now. I mean, I'd be surprised if they don't get to 110 by sure. the end of the season. Uh, for the American League, this is a little more interesting. There's more teams vying for fewer spot for for those those three wild card spots. The division leaders we talked about: Houston and New York. Cleveland, your Cleveland Guardians, Willie, are in first place yeah. in the division right now. <laughs> it's a common mess of division. You but. you had you had such this such just remarkable negativity about Cleveland after after 2020. And look where they yeah. are now. Well, I, I think. I mean, the team. Look, the teams. I don't think. Uh, I don't think they're. You know, they can hold their own against these big boys. But I will say that. Uh, you know, I. I think Chicago might be the most disappointing team. Like they're doing fine, but I think a lot of people expected more from the White Sox. So oh. I think that. I mean, I'm pretty sure you and I both picked the White Sox to win the division this year. Yeah, I don't think we picked Minnesota. Yeah, well, and they still could, to be fair. But you know, they they definitely. I think we expect them to be a dominant team, and yes, they're just we did. We know. expected them to kind of run away. We, I think, I think the line from the the preview, the the baseball preview back in in April, I someone could quote me on this, but I believe the line was it's theirs to lose. It's not theirs yeah. to lose anymore. <laughs> we'll put it that yeah. way. They are yeah. they are struggling. They need they need to. I mean, they could. It it's anyone's race at this point. They're only three games out of a wild card spot. Uh, the sure. Baltimore Orioles are two and a half games out of a wild That's card a big spot. Surprise! That <laughs> they are have a winning record right now. The Baltimore Orioles are sixty one and fifty seven. Crazy. The night of us recording this. Yep. That is insane. I never thought I would be talking about the Orioles in twenty twenty two as a potential playoff team. But that's right. That's right. Is something special is happening in in Birdland? Yes, it know. is. <laughs> uh, the other two teams, Willie, one of yours was the world your World Series pick, the Tampa Bay Rays, firmly in a wild card spot, tied with the Blue Jays. As yep. of right now, they would play each other in the in the wild card round, and Seattle would play, or sorry, no, Seattle would play Tampa Bay, and Toronto would play the Astros in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, there's there's an exciting playoff picture. I, I think we're we're in for an, a very very thrilling down to the wire finish to the the pennant race and the the race for the postseason. I think it, you would be very hard pressed to find any team right now outside of the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers who are going to stay exactly where they where they are 
for the rest of the season, like exactly where they are right now for the rest of the season. There's going to be so much fluctuation between now and the end of the year that I'm Willie, I'm ready for it. I, I mean, I'm, I think the Yankees could definitely be in the fluctuator. Who knows? They, I mean, they could, but nine games is a lot. I mean, even yeah. even the Mets in what was it, 2007? That was seven games yeah, in 17. I remember that well. I remember that well. Yeah, no, it's yeah. No, we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting, and yeah. uh, I will just say real quick. I think the to me the most intriguing. I mean, this is always a great baseball is great in general, and this is always a great time. But I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I after what happened to the Padres last year, I, I and the Brewers are not going to go away. They're really, really good. So yeah. I'm I'm curious to see how the Padres even make the playoffs. So, <laughs> I I think they will, but they they really need more out of Josh Bell and and Juan Soto. Yeah. Mostly mostly Josh Bell. He's been disappointing since since Soto's going been. back to since going to San Diego. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Soto hasn't been great either, but he's been fine. I think he's been fine. He's had some good games for the Padres at least. Yeah. Yep. So, folks, buckle up. We are going to keep tabs on this through the rest of the baseball season, so be sure to stick it here. Stay here, rather, for all things baseball. And on the other side of that, Willie, there is another sport that you and I follow religiously. Yeah. It is the people's game, the world's game, world football, Premier League. It's back, and oh boy, is it back. <laughs> we've got we've got a lot to break down in the first, first two weeks of the year. We were going to get, get this kind of done before yep. the start of the year to get you set for what promises still to be a very interesting season, especially with the World Cup right in the middle. I want to briefly take a look at how 2020, 2021, 2022 kind of panned out. I, mm-hmm. Look, for all the talk of Liverpool winning the quadruple last year to finish mm-hmm. with two trophies, people are going to talk about it like it was disappointing. But in none of those situations were Liverpool ever favored to to do the whole thing. Were, were Liverpool... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Willie. I think Liverpool were ten points behind City at one point in the campaign. I think, was, I, think in, I could be wrong, but I think it was they were actually down fourteen, but it was with a game in hand, and I think it was eleven. Right, and then that was that was as recently as what December of twenty one, yeah. maybe January twenty one or twenty two. Yep. So so for them to finish second in the league by a point, yes, disappointing, but it's Manchester City. They have resources. Yeah. Like no other club in the world, they have arguably the best manager in the world. Yep. How can how can they not get it done? It's just it's it's plain and simple. They have too much quality for them to not do that. It would have been the other way around. It would have been a catastrophic disappointment had Liverpool won the title for Manchester City. It would have been dis- disappointing for City to not get that done. And compounding that was their exit from the Champions League in the way that they lost. Yep. To Real Madrid. I mean, we we I wish we had been able to to talk about that at the time because the way that City lost in the Champions League had the words Real Madrid champions yeah of that Champions League season written all over it because yeah. at no part of that tie were they the better team Real Madrid at no, no part not. of the of those those 180 minutes plus extra time no, no point in that was Real Madrid the better side and yeah. yet they won. Yeah. They were not the better side in the Champions League final, but they won. Yeah. That that's just what they do. They they win they win Champions Leagues even though they have no right to. That's just what the, that's just who they are. And like look, I put $100 on Liverpool, on on Madrid to win the Champions League final. Yep. I put $100 on them. 
Did you? Wow. And they won. Yeah. So it was the most disappointing $250 I've ever made in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, look, I was, I was sad because Liverpool didn't win the quadruple because they didn't win the, I was really more so, so just sad. They didn't win the league, the champions league. I, I never thought they were going to win that just because it's Real Madrid. Well, I also will just say though, I, I, I do just want to say real quick on the, I mean, I, I, I think the way they, which the manner in which they won the Champions League last year, I mean, it really is unfortunate. It is really unfortunate because, um, I mean, they had a. It's going to take away from the fact that they had an all-time great season themselves. I mean, winning late, ran away with La Liga. They didn't win the Copa del Rey, but they ran away with La Liga. Um, wasn't even close. Um, and you know, in the Champions League, I mean. They beat four fantastic teams. So no matter how they did it, they did it. Yeah. You know? it I mean, it's going to be fine. It's going to be hard to find another team that ever beats four teams that good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, look, my Spanish cousins, they, they gave me, they gave me shit after the Champions League final and I deserve it. Yeah. And, and they deserve to do that because they're, they're Real Madrid fans. And they they watched their team win the Champions League. Like I, I literally, yeah. what can you say at that point? You I, I can't I can't say anything because it, it's just that's just what they do. That's yeah. name name the last time Real Madrid lost a Champions League final, Willie. No, because it, uh, it hasn't happened in a long time. They just don't lose Champions I mean, League finals. Certainly not. Yeah, certainly not in our lifetime. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they they hadn't won between 2002 and what was it 2002, 2002 and 2014, but yep. since 2014 that, they've right, won they, five times. Yeah. Well, yeah, they won. I think five. Let's see: 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, 22. Wait, no, 19. 19 was Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they won five right. times right. since 2002. You're right. Okay. Not so including that, that, 2002. Okay, well. So, uh, but back to the Premier League, Willie. I was not expecting any of that to happen for Liverpool. It would have mm-hmm. been nice, sure. And for a while after after Coutinho scored his second, it looked like, or after Coutinho yeah. scored, it looked like it was going to. And then City well. just completely stormed back. And yeah, and you know the the rival fans will will make their Steven Gerrard jokes all they want, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it's a tough pill to swallow, honestly. So sure. when the new season started and Liverpool had their first game where they went to Fulham and they just didn't look up for it and they were already injury depleted and Thiago came off injured and things just kind of looked like they were going to go from bad to worse. They scratched out a, a draw only to see... <laughs> Their big signing, Darwin Nunez, gets sent off against Crystal Palace at home. Yep. And, like, the only thing I will say about what I've seen so far from Liverpool in 2022, uh, at least the 2022-2023 season, is that it, it reminds me a little bit of Tottenham in 2019-2020, right after they lost in the Champions League final. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're going in the same direction, but mm. you know, it's again, and it's two games into the season. I'm not going to overreact at this point. Now, if, if Liverpool are still in the bottom half of the table, say five games in, then yes, I will be concerned. Yeah. But 
but to to be that close mm. to winning four different trophies in a single year, a single season, and then to come out of the gate so in such anemic fashion mm-hmm. is is a little bit worrying. And and I know that it's you know it's early. It's very very early. They played two games, and the performances haven't been great. Mm-hmm. Second half against Palace after Nunez got sent off was ironically the best football they've played all year. But it's just it's 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 such a weird thing to watch because you, you have expectations sky high. The club's investing well. They're spending money. Klopp is here to stay. He signed an extension. The guys are here to stay. But it's just it just feels like they're they're. They're actually moving in the wrong. They're, they took a step backwards, mm. and I don't, I don't know what to make of it right now. At, we'll, we'll talk about this after the after the big game against Manchester United on Monday, but I just I just don't know what to make of this, Willie. Mm. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because, you know, I think City are going to win the title this year. I'm, I'm just going to spoil the, my my pick. They're going to win the title again this year. Holland is going to score like 40 goals. <laughs> In the league, uh, Even, I, I just I just don't see any reason that that they won't. But it just does uh-huh. not look great for Liverpool right now. I think, um, well, I, I I completely understand the point about a hangover, the motivation. You know, it is weird that they had such a good preseason and Klopp's words themselves, and they you know won the Community Shield and pretty and played pretty well. Yeah. Um. The, I'm curious, though, on what you read in the, of the manner of the performances. The, I, you know, the, because, you know, as Klopp will say himself, it's not just the fact they drew a couple games. It's the way in which they happened. And I will say it has been a common talking point, but Liverpool do need to kind of stop this come-from-behind thing. Like, it, it, that's not a good start stop thing is not not a good thing yeah like it's it's one thing to to be able to do it when it happens right it's another thing to make a habit of it and and that's honestly what i think has has become the case and it also reminds me a little bit of of when klopp first took over there was this pattern where in in the big games I, i mean i remember this very 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 vividly because it was it was a very very rough time as a liverpool supporter the the immediate post Brendan Rodgers era, the beginning of the Klopp era. Yeah. It was there's this anticipation. You're excited for what he's going to bring to the table, but then at, yeah. on the other hand, you know where the team is at. You know who's on the squad, and you're you're not really looking forward to games like like you know like I am now. But I remember this: the first game against Chelsea, and yeah. the first game against City, and and the first games against the big boys, against the big six. Those were games where the guys were up for it. From yeah. the, from opening kickoff, they were up for it for the full ninety minutes. They're right. at it. They're going after every second ball. They're winning every duel. They're pressing. Yeah. They're playing with intensity. Sure. But against the bottom of the table, but against teams in the mid table, they they wouldn't. They would start off passively, That's and they they wouldn't they wouldn't assert themselves from the beginning. And when they won the title in nineteen twenty, they. They had that every single week. They 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 took yeah. the game to their opponents, played on the front right. foot all game. 
yeah. from the very beginning. They haven't. They didn't do that in those periods last year. But they're good enough and they're experienced enough to know that they don't have to do that. And I think that it's 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 a difficult balance when you have this style that I mean, Pep Linders, the assistant manager, he says this all the time. He says our identity is intensity. Right. Sure. And it's hard to maintain that through the course of 38 games. So naturally, as a human being, sometimes you're going to switch off a little bit because the brain is a really we talk about this all the time. The brain's a really powerful thing, but it can also get in your way. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're not in the right frame of mind to attack your opponent from the off to impose your will from the very beginning, you're going to get into trouble and you're going to have lapses in concentration. You're going to have you're going to be out of position defensively and you know, teams are going to take advantage. Teams that have good pacey counterattacking players, Zaha for Fulham, they're going to take it or for uh, for Palace rather, uh, Mitrovic not that even that he played on the counterattack yeah. just that he's a he's a big physical striker who bullied Alexander Arnold. And he bullied it's, Van Dyke too. And okay, well that was that's a really soft penalty if you ask me. It, it's going to ha- but the point is it's going to happen. Right. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a a complacency almost in the fact that, oh, we we don't need to we don't need to try from the off. We can you know, we can take it to our opponents, you know, even if they they go a goal ahead early. We can we you know, we've done this before. And and look, they, they haven't they didn't lose any of those games where they went behind early. That's that's the important thing for me is 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 being able to secure points from losing positions, which mm. is important. They're the there's the other side of that, which is what they need to be better about which is not dropping points from winning positions yeah and so i think there's just a little bit of course correction that needs to happen and i think the timing of the man U game is actually really really good because (laughs) if you can't get if you can't get hyped up for the manchester united game against liverpool as a liverpool player you shouldn't be playing for liverpool it's the biggest game in english football willie and how can you not if you can't get hyped up for it, if you can't get if you can't get the right intensity, you should be playing. It's the biggest game. So, you know, look, I don't want to spend this time, this whole podcast talking about Liverpool because there's 19 other teams. But I'll, I'll basically say this to me. They've been the biggest, biggest surprise in the way they've started. Mm. And and that's including Manchester United, who have been. I think that's even a little bit more surprising, to be honest, but. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, huh. I think there people were expecting this big revolution with a, a relatively unchanged squad from last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost Pogba and they signed uh, Martinez. As pretty much, yeah. but they haven't really changed a whole lot of play. I mean, the core is still there. It's yep. still a lot of the same players. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, Willie. I mean, your your opening take on this, and, and I kind of want to segue not straight to United because we can talk about them a, a little bit later, but. Specifically, Chelsea and and Tottenham. That game specifically. You you texted us saying that you thought Chelsea got screwed over by the refereeing, which they did objectively. They did hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Well, on the calls, um, yes, I believe very strongly that uh, both goals should be disallowed. That the referee, even like I said, a. Uh, you know, in this case, you know, Tottenham in theory, the score should have been 2-0 Chelsea and Tottenham should have had 10 players at yeah. the end. Because I do believe that the... I know there's this funky rule 
the ball has to be, you know, in play to like, but it's like, I mean, that was a pretty, when Romero pulled Kukure's hair. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's really bad. And by the way, um, I will just say that it feel it felt like that game Romero. There's a couple times like him and Havertz went at it. He was just in the middle of a lot uh, that day. Yeah. But um, I would say, in terms of the game itself, I mean, a lot of people say it. I felt very highly, really good coming out of the game about both teams. I thought it was an awesome Chelsea performance. Like. Awesome. One of the better ones I've seen in a long time. The the striker thing is a real, real issue. I mean, they have no presence in the penalty box. On crosses, um, you know, Havertz does decently well there, but, you know, Sterling is just, I don't think, made for that position unless in, you know, certain circumstances. I know he played for England last World Cup there, but it, it looks really clunky. But the level of really dominance they had they and for me that's the one thing that Chelsea does really well under Tuchel sure the the big narrative with Chelsea has been for a long time it's just they can control possession they can they can control the game but the they really lack ideas and clinicality in the final third and the ability to to you know not be predictable but the way they just dominated that game against a very good Tottenham team and just that's going to be their calling card if they can if they can control possession if they can suffocate teams and make things relatively comfortable um they are going to have a great chance to finish in the top four um so from a Chelsea perspective I I I would say I kind of feel worse just because the level of control is great, but the striker thing I think is just such a big issue that I I'm just struggling to see how they're going to finish in the top four. And from the Tottenham perspective, I think it was a weird performance. Like I don't want to. I think people make too much. Like I do think from a mentality perspective, it was great to see Tottenham grind out a result but they really did get dominated the whole game and i know you could say that so it just it's a little bit of a worrying sign i guess but but yeah i mean tottenham can certainly play a whole lot better so i just felt like the the it was just a real shame that chelsea didn't get the victory honestly because i i I understand. I'm never going to be the one to say that they were the better team. Finishing is a big part of the game, and you know. But you know, Chelsea really were on the front foot for so much of the game. So I, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm sure you felt more hard done by than 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 Mm -hmm. most. But I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that you said to us in that in that group text was also that you're not one. To, to bemoan refereeing decisions because it's just part of the game and that's and that's that's true like look part of the, the, the way that I think you and I both try to look at this is you have 90 minutes to do yeah. to complete the objective of whatever game it is whether you know you have the same amount of time whether it's baseball or football or basketball you have the same amount of time to complete the same objective as the game as the other team you have the same amount of time to impose your will on the other team 
on either side of the ball, regardless of what sport it is. So you hate when refereeing decisions ultimately do end up being consequential, but it's the part of the reason that it's kind of hard to do that is because you had time to make sure that those decisions wouldn't be consequential in the first place. So it's not this decision at the end of the game. It's what about 20 minutes in? There's this scenario that could have gone one way or the other that you could have done better. So I think just looking at it holistically is is it's it's better for your mental health, honestly, because the more you think about refereeing decisions, the more you get angry at it. The more it's just like, Part of the game. yeah, and, and refereeing in England is so notoriously bad that if, you, if you're if you new to the Premier League and you, you're not aware of this yeah. whole refereeing thing, it's going to be bad. There's not and a good I, referee in England, not one. And I, I do just want to say, too, that um, honestly, like, as a human level, and I obviously went back and read, and, and um, I was really disappointed. Look, fans are fans. Really disappointed that Tuchel would say Anthony Taylor shouldn't ref Chelsea again. I thought that was absolutely classless. Like, he's a human. Everyone makes mistakes. And I, I thought that was really harsh and very dangerous because you, when you say that, you're almost like, I don't know the right word, but you're you're inspiring this, like, animosity towards the ref. You know how fans are going to take that. So I thought that was really upsetting from, honestly, from Tuchel's perspective to say that. Um, Also, same thing with the, I was a little upset with his behavior on the whole Conte thing as well. But, I mean, how many times do you see, less of a big deal, but for sure. But how many times do you see managers, all the time, they shake hands and don't make eye contact. So, um but what I will say, I, I do. I also just want to say that one overriding thought that I have about the game, and I know people, the Premier League dominates. Look, this is the golden age of the Premier League. It's amazing, amazing to see. I mean, I, I can't possibly think that we're going to look back and say, this has to be the peak of the Premier League to me. Like, this is incredible, the talent and the managers and the coaches. Um, but on that subject, I do just want to say that Kula Bali is incredible. I mean, yeah. I think I mean one of my high, one of my high school friends is a big Napoli guy, and I think he was pretty yeah. sad when that transfer went through. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he's he's a good signing. I think Chelsea they they are not going to miss a beat with Rudiger now at uh, Real Madrid. I think the, the Koulibaly's that guy. He's Here's an interesting hypothetical, by the way. Yeah. I mean, this would never happen. I don't know what you think, but given the talk about Trent. And, uh, you know, he does seem to be, you know, even this season in the middle of, you know, some of the goals that the other team has scored. Would you would you trade? Would you accept a trade of of Reese James for Trent? No, no, no. Trent is too vital to the way that Liverpool play, particularly on the counterattack. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a there's an understanding on the right side between Alexander Arnold and Salah that's so important for Liverpool playing in transition that you you can't really it's really hard to replace that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying Reese James is a bad fullback. I mean he's he's one of the world's best, if not one of England, you know, one of England's best, one of the world's best. But for the way Liverpool play, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go with I wouldn't I wouldn't go for it. I, I think it's just sure. you know it. Liverpool have built the team the way they have around they, they've built the team around the players that they have 
basically with mm-hmm. a certain philosophy that Klopp wants to instill in the players and the players now are all willing to kind of buy into that and people talk about the high line and they talk about the defensive lapses of Alexander Arnold and it's it's a byproduct of literally just playing that high up the field that consistently it, it just happens I mean full he there is this one goal a couple years ago. It was a Alexander Arnold cross to a Robertson header or Robertson finish. Yeah. And I think someone was saying like that's how that's how Liverpool want to play. Or it was sorry, no, it was it was a goal against Manchester City the year Liverpool won the uh-huh. title. It was when Alexander Arnold hit a, a massive forty yard diagonal to Robertson, yeah. who hit a, a cross to Salah that bounced once and Salah heads it in. Okay. That to me encapsulates the way Liverpool play and the way they want to play. And I'm yeah. not saying that Reese James can do that, but it's just so deeply ingrained that every player on the on the pitch has their sort of responsibility. That just happens to be Alexander Arnold's. And totally. their their responsibility is to look ahead of them, not behind them. And obviously defenders and, and you know pundits who are fullbacks in their day would always say, You're a fullback, you have to defend first, you're a defender, you yeah. have to defend first. But the the game is changing so rapidly and the game is so focused these days on being on the front foot, scoring goals, create, being creative. And look, I honestly think that Alexander Arnold in three to five years is going to find himself in center midfield. I honestly think he's going to be a center midfielder by the time that Klopp is, is about to head out the door. I I truly think one of the last things he will do is he will put Alexander Arnold in midfield. Really? Cause well, cause I think that, that they're, um, they're working on that right now. They signed, the uh, his name is escaping me, but the young Scottish fullback from from Rangers, what what was his name? Oh um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, oh. Why is his name? Why can I not remember his name? No, I know what you're talking about too. Calvin Ramsey, that's what it is. Yes, they Calvin. signed Calvin Ramsey. He's supposed to be a good signing. Right, they signed him as cover for Alexander Arnold because Nico Williams went to Nottingham Forest. Yep. But he's 18, and Alexander Arnold's I think 20, 23 or 24. So I honestly think that he's going to end up in center midfield by the time, you know, at that point. Klopp has has tried to downplay that a little bit, but I think a lot of Liverpool fans feel that Alexander Arnold is going to end up in the middle of the park, and well, I would not be surprised if he did. Okay, that's so, a fascinating take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. But, but again, so going back to your initial hypothetical before we move on to the rest of the league, they're different players. I think Reese James is more. He's he's a better defender usually. Mm. That's not to say Alexander Arnold can't defend. That's just not his priority usually, and that's I down to the way the, Liverpool I play. The, the the best thing about Reese James, and I agree with you. Reese James himself is a good attacking player for sure. Yeah, Trent gives you so many more, so much more attacking output, even as good as as Reese uh, does. I think the real, in my opinion, I think the real strength. I mean, I think the thing. That makes Reese James real special, in my opinion, is we right now, you know, there are, there are, you know, there are plenty of teams that love these pressing 4-2-2-2s and these 4-3-3s, but, you know, Reese is, James showing himself to be very good at playing, you know, as a center defender in the back three. And I think that's a really, really useful skill. He can, because of his recovery speed, I mean, he can lock down a lot of forwards in that system. So I think that's a really good thing he's showing. Yeah. So it really just depends on what you want. Do you want an attacking minded fullback or do you want a defending 
minded yeah. right wing back or right sided center back of a back three. Totally. It, it just depends. And I, I know it, you know, Gareth Southgate has a big decision to make for the World Cup, whether or not he wants to go with one, you know, whether or not he wants to try to include those two and Kyle Walker as well. Yep. So we'll see. Big decisions. But they're, you know, the, I think the English right side defense is is Thank solid God. for a few years. Yeah, totally. So, uh huh. But, Willie, there's, there's, there's a few other teams we had to talk about, right? Yeah. In, in our, our broad. Awesome season so far slash uh-huh. rest of the season preview one team in particular that i think we are both pleasantly well i, I can't speak for you but i'm pleasantly surprised with is uh-huh. arsenal oh I, yeah i have really enjoyed what i've seen from arsenal so far i think i've seen a lot of progression in the right yep. areas as mm-hmm. far as being a lot more stable defensively sure just Believe more it just yeah. a lot a lot sharper in the middle of the field and and at mm-hmm. the back and Gabriel Jesus looks like he's a the yes. the typical Arsenal striker like a typical he, Arsenal he, he's been on a, when you include preseason he's been on a tear an yeah. absolute tear yeah yep and it's funny now cuz Arsenal now have three players named Gabriel yeah they have the defender they have Gabriel Jesus and they have Gabriel Martinelli yeah no i i <laughs> My brother made that joke, and he was like, "When you 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 talk to Arsenal, it's like which player is it? You talk about Gabriel? Yes. Which one? Yes. <laughs> sure. No, um, I I think they've been really really impressive. You know, the new signings, Gabriel and uh, Zinchenko, I mean, really really good. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I think the Gabriel Jesus, I think it's both vindication for Pep Guardiola how good he's made these players but man there was a lot of talk could he lead the line with Aguero out and man is Jesus playing well yeah and he's he's great attitude great with the pressing great movement um I would say yeah Arsenal to me I would pick them to finish in the top four um they look great I guess the thing and I mean, hey, like it looks like the project is now going in the right direction. I mean, I had some real concerns. If you remember a couple years ago when they um, – w- a couple years ago. Was it two years ago where they started the season really, really badly? Uh, and, last season, I think they lost their first three games. No, but there was a couple years ago where – yeah, no. Last season, they lost their first three games. Yeah. Very similar to probably what Man United is going to happen to them. But like two <laughs> years ago – Two years ago, it was they got to January and they were just doing awful. And there was a lot of talk. Arteta was very close to getting sacked. So they're going in the right direction. I mm. think the thing that does really concern me about Arsenal is I still think, despite the improvements they have, I do think the lack of squad depth is an issue. Yeah. I think if Jesus were to get hurt, we go back to this Nketia. Striker thing, I think if you know Sleba were to get hurt, we go back to the same center back issue. Um, you know, Partey's had his injury problems. Like I, you know, I, I don't think any Arsenal fan really trusts Granite Xhaka, yeah. even if he does well. So I, I do have concerns about that because when you just look at Tottenham, when you look at the other teams. Even though I do think Arsenal will finish fourth, when you do look at Chelsea, Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool, the squads as a whole are just better. 
in my opinion. So depth wise. Yeah. So that would be my concern. Yeah. And like I personally, you know, if I had to pick a team outside of Liverpool to also finish in the top four of the big six, I'd pick mm. Arsenal because, mm. you know, because there's a connection to Arsenal, obviously, with our with our our uh, our friends. Mm-hmm. And also just in general, I, I think they are a team that of of the big six, they they've been on the outside looking in for the longest time and they've been through quite a bit in the post Arsene Wenger area. Uh, post Arsene Wenger era, mm-hmm. not quite like Manchester United post Sir Alex no. Ferguson, but you know it's also only been what four years since Wenger retired. So you know, I, I just I, I feel like they they have you know it's when you look at the profile of the English game, you can't talk about it without talking about Arsenal, at least in the modern era. Mm. So. To me, they're, they they belong in the top four, and I want to see them finish in the top four personally. But I, I, I want to be transparent with our listeners, Willie. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my notes from when we were supposed to do our Premier League preview, right, before the season even started. And the, the four teams that I had, or the, rather the three teams not named Manchester City, that I had in there in the top four, mm-hmm. Liverpool, Tottenham, and Chelsea, unchanged from last year. I don't know mm-hmm. if it'll be in the same order, but the, the those four teams. You do have Chelsea in there too. I do okay. have Chelsea in there as well. Yeah, I I, I think <laughs> based on based on their last couple seasons and mm. just the general body of work, I think they they uh-huh. it would be disappointing for them to not finish. I mean, it's disappointing uh-huh. for all of them, but I, I think they just they it, uh-huh. they expect to be there, and I think they will be there. I understand. I I just think. There's going to be too many games. I know Goodison Park's a tough place to play. There's going to be too many games like the Everton game where they just struggle to create anything. Yeah, well, for me to say they're going to finish. Yeah, I mean, again, this was obviously before the season started, so I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be a revisionist and and add Arsenal in there. Mm. But that's that's what I would think. I mean, and and Tottenham have unfortunately made such a good progression they've had a really good progression under Conte so I do want to just say I do want to just say that the squad looks great I understand everyone's really excited particularly about the first game I do think as much as much as I believe Tottenham are the real deal I think we have to wait and see it first I mean because honestly like right now I know we're only two games in the season but to me I don't know. It looks like Southampton's really primed for relegation. They do not look good whatsoever. Yeah. So I, I I think the Chelsea game, the way it went, was a little alarming. So I, I just think we need to see it a little bit to see whether they really can get it in the gear. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's like. fair. That's fair. Uh, on the subject, Willie, give me your, your top four for this season if you can remember if you had a top four going into the start before the game uh-huh. started and then we'll talk relegation in a second i actually think that my top four was you know um liverpool man city chelsea and Tot- or uh, no sorry liverpool man city i did have tottenham and arsenal and i would stick by it mm. based on two yeah and you so you'd leave out chelsea and united sure. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, I've been so convinced by United the first two games of the season. <laughs> I, I'm just itching to flip the <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Um, one of my friends messaged me 
the other day. I didn't see it until today, but he messaged me. He said, uh, one of my group chats, I'm not allowed to talk until United have points. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, um, I mean, what's your prediction for Liverpool United? I, mean. I, I stand by this, and this this is an annoying prediction. I stand by this, though. Uh, I'm calling a 1-0 United win on a 98th minute penalty by Bruno Fernandes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because when when Brentford beat United like mm-hmm. that, in the man, the manner of the of the defeat, the way the performance came about, the how bad it was across the board. I was only thinking, well, okay, so this is their second game in a row they've lost to start the year. Mhm. And it doesn't get much easier cuz they play Liverpool. Right. Mm. So naturally, they're going to get battered by Liverpool at home. Right. No, Mm -hmm. no, no. This is this is games at Old Trafford between Manchester United and Liverpool. United have a nasty habit. And this is spoken as a salty Liverpool fan. Yes, a salty Liverpool fan of. United not allowing Liverpool to play football. That's true. And to play physical to foul excessively, to get the crowd behind them, to get the crowd to prevent the referee from calling anything against against United, everything going mm-hmm. against Liverpool. And it just has the smell and the feel of a controversial penalty in the 98th minute scored by Bruno Fernandes. I, I just, yeah. I, it, I don't, well, like, every every part of me... And and especially given how how the last two meetings have gone with Liverpool winning on aggregate nine nil nine zero last two games, it just it just has that feel to it where this is it's it you know it it's a game that they can't lose so they're going to lose. It, it just happens every time. Yeah. It's like it's 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 the biggest trap game of all trap games. Well, yeah, and 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 to be fair, I mean there have been some thumpings, but there's also been. Plenty of games during the Klopp era where United have played Liverpool well. So. Yeah, I mean, and and sometimes sometimes some players just get motivated extra by knowing that they're playing in that game. Now that said, oh. that said, those Klopp teams, those ones were were different from from these current ones, and there were instances. I mean, even in 2019, I think it was early in the season 2019 when Liverpool won the title. Where Lalana scored in like the it was like the eighty seventh minute or something like that late in the yep. game to to rescue a point. I thought that was huge because the performance hadn't been great. It'd been good enough to get at least a point, but not great because yep. United just don't historically play football when they play against Liverpool at home, regardless yeah. of how good Liverpool are. They just don't play yeah. football. No, no, for sure. They. You know, they do what Everton do basically when Liverpool come to town. They 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 play anti football. Which I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't mm, go that far. I, I would. I would. I would go that far. Okay. Well, Espe- well hi- historically I would go that far. This is different though, because Ten Hag and we've seen with other Dutch coaches in the coaches in the Premier League, uh, of course your favorite with uh Frank de Boer. We've seen Dutch coaches have this obsession with playing football and and the the total football, if you will, yeah, and and not you know getting a result in the biggest fixture on the calendar. I I, I will say, sure. I mean, I think 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's such you know, it's the philosophy of of IX. Obviously, it was the you know, um, no, for sure. I think it's you can't say that it's anything's wrong with the style. And of course, you know, mistakes playing out from the back like the hair are gonna happen. But I think they're well. Let me ask you this: Are we are we gonna do Man United right now? Because if so, I, I have some. I think one interesting thought, in my opinion. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk United. Why not? All right, so here's my subject, opinion, which I think might be interesting for the purpose of this show because I genuinely believe it, and I genuinely goes against the different against the grain that I think a lot of fans and pundits will say. Hmm. So to me, like if you have the three kind of overarching three categories and the question is who to blame more you have the ownership in the front office the directors of football like the the way the clubs run you have the coaching staff and you have the players i think that the majority of the blame is going to the players and the and the kind of the way the clubs run i actually think the while it's too early to say i actually think the problem has been the coaching staff this whole time and in my opinion, the reason is because I, I this is just my personal opinion. I think it's frankly a little bit ridiculous that people are talking about these players aren't good enough and they're not men united players, like quote unquote people are talking about. Like all of these players it reminds me of like, you know, um, the Angels a little bit, where other than Otani and Trout, like you look at guys like Anthony Rondon, it just seems like they go there and they Pujols, like they just kind of go there and and suffer. Like Justin Upton, Justin Upton. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, if you just run through these players, I mean, Jaden Sancho was one of the best wingers in the entire world for Bruce Dortmund. I mean, I think you know. Um, Paul Pogba, obviously, when he was on the team. I mean, for Juventus and France, he was fantastic. Harry Maguire, say what you want, my Harry Maguire was fantastic for Leicester. You know, Juan Basaka, who hasn't been one of the major problems, but very good for Crystal Palace. Um, you know, I think, I, be, I, I do truly believe that Scott McTominay is a good player and that on a team with, that's excelling and where he could really focus on defense, he could be very good. I mean, I think Anthony Martial has shown flashes pretty good in La Liga. Um, I mean, the list goes, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, I, I think has been always scoring goals for the team. I, I, I mean, I, Ralph, oh, for a big one, Rafael Varane. I have a huge Veron fan. I've always thought he's fantastic, and now he's not even playing because I know that Lissandra Martinez. But I just the bottom line is like, I think these players are plenty good enough. Yeah, and, like and you give them a good manager like a Conte, a Klopp Guardiola, or just a manager that fits really well, like you see Graham Potter doing. I think that there's plenty enough talent there to finish the top four. I don't think that the players are not good enough. I think it's just you. What's becoming increasingly clear in soccer is you just need good managers or managers that fit with the players. And I just, 
I know Ten Hag is young. I'm not going to say he's not going to be able to. But thus far, I just don't think they've had a manager that's good enough or that fits well enough. That That's my honest opinion with the thing. Yeah. No, and, and Willie, you know how, how I rate Varane. So, mm. you know, it... I. It, it is it is a bit confusing to to hear that a club of United size have always had a an issue with the players, right? So, I mean, I, I don't disagree that that they have some players who are good enough, right? I don't disagree in the slightest, mm. but I think it's it's a really it's a collective failure. It's not it, you can't pin it down to one area. I agree because mm-hmm. in order to have to 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 win trophies, to have success, mm-hmm. you need more than just good players. You need sure. good players mm-hmm. and the right coach. Well, how do you find the best players and the coach who can get the most out of those players? Is you have a good mm-hmm. front office, you have a good a good technical mm-hmm. staff, you have a good director of football. And who hires a director of football? The ownership. So it, it's a top-down kind of thing. It it's it it's it's a big picture problem for United at the at the minute. And I, uh, it, yeah, like because it because they don't run independently of each other. Because y- you look at you look at historically what the problem has been. And and I pick on Chelsea a little bit because they're they're the Premier League's example because we don't really focus on La Liga. Real Madrid would be the other example of it, where it's you know when Ronaldo was there in his peak, it's if Ronaldo didn't like you, you're gone. Or if if Ronaldo could get like two other players to not like you, you're gone. At Chelsea, if you could get a group of players to not like you, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. United, I feel like are trending in that direction because mm-hmm. De Gea has been here since the Sir Alex Ferguson days. He yeah. he knows what what that's like, but I don't think Although, I don't think they've had that kind of environment where where there's a general a, a respect for every authority figure at the football club. I, I do think they that that the players liked Ali, but they, as a person, they just didn't. Maybe they yeah. Didn't, they didn't. I, I think I think I think Ali was one of the more. I mean, how many how many clubs have a farewell like exit interview for a manager who just gets fired? Yeah, no, how many totally, clubs yeah. do that? And you saw, I remember the images of when it was his last game, and Bruno Fernandez was telling the fans to stop, like, booing. Yeah, right. No, totally. I, I believe. They, first of all, I definitely believe they go hand in hand. the The manager, excuse me, has to be comfortable and fit well with the players they bring in. Yeah. And like you said, there is definitely a culture around the club that there's been a lack of kind of accountability in other words but but why i really do think it rests on the manager is it's not only how much the players are underperforming i mean i gosh like like these players like Jaden sancho looks like a shell of himself and like you know paul pogba and guys like that rashford a little bit at times but it's it's i genuinely believe on that Look, people, you've seen these exercises where people will say, all right, how many United players could start for these other teams? And here's my opinion. I would actually push back and say that if you take the the norm, 
which I mean is either players who have come to United before they got there, with the exception of Bruno Fernandes, because he's been very good for a lot of time. But if you take players that have come before they came, or you take players which you that have shown plenty of good at United, like a Rashford, for example, where there before has been plenty of bad. I think these United players could challenge to get in any starting lineup. I know that sounds crazy, but you're gonna you're gonna tell me that that at their best, like Jaden Sancho and and Paul Pogba, like can't get into a lot of starting lineups. Like yeah, no, no, no. I know, I don't, I don't disagree at all. I think it's 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 definitely a case of yeah. It, I would I would liken it to signing a big contract in in you know because because we talk about it all the time in in baseball. I would liken it to guys like like Justin Upton, like Anthony Rendon, like Albert Pujols signing big contracts, not necessarily at all at the Angels, but just around the league, being mm-hmm. a shell of themselves because you have to change so many different things, and moving from one club to another means a whole different weight of expectations. So mm-hmm. maybe they are good. Maybe the players are good enough but they don't have people around them at the club. So kind of like what you're saying, they don't have people around them to help them kind of carry the weight of playing for a club that size. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, and I I don't think you're wrong in the slightest, but I think it's also, you know, and and I I don't mean to always drag this back to Liverpool, but one of the big things when Liverpool are, are looking into any signing that they make, they're not just talking about how good of a, of a footballer this guy is. They're talking about him as a person. They're talking about the personality. And can he carry the weight of wearing one of the most iconic shirts in world football? It's can you wear that iconic red Liverpool shirt? And a lot of the times when they, when they look at a player, part of their analysis is the person themselves. I think that's, that's missing at, at United. Because maybe they are a world-class player. But they don't have the infrastructure to help the player deal with it. And if you don't have the infrastructure, then you'd be hard pressed to find players who are good at a club like Borussia Dortmund, who's a massive club in Germany. Don't get it twisted. They're a massive club in Germany, but it's not Manchester United. Mm. So for, for Sancho specifically, for Varane, that's a confusing one because he's coming from the biggest club in the world. He's coming from Real Madrid. And he wasn't he wasn't a bench warmer at Real Madrid. He was starting at Real Madrid basically the whole time he was there. Yeah. That one is confusing to me. And I'm Gosh. sure to you as well. I mean and, I mean, and maybe oh, it's the English well, game being faster than the Spanish like, game. Despite your feelings about Rafael Varane, if you dislike Sergio Ramos as much as you do, and Varane was usually the one next to him, like there you know, you gotta think they were pretty he's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, no, look, I I think he was a better now defender he than... get in the team? Like, this is insane. Yeah, that, that to me is crazy. That that to me has always been has always been weird. Yeah. It no, might, I, I think... Well, it, I, 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 go ahead. It's, I was just saying, it's probably the Ajax connection between Ten Hag and, and Martinez. Yeah. That's preventing Varane from playing. But but I, I guess, no, for sure. That's his guy. But I, I would say... When it comes to, like you said, they're not big enough for the stature of this club, right? I mean, um, I like, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But it's just when so many players are are underperforming at the same time, it's hard to say. Well, this guy isn't cut out for that. Like, it's just like the whole, 
team and yeah you know yeah, right gosh like christian erickson's probably like <laughs> i switched the themes for this yeah um, but last thing i do want to say on, on united uh, which i think might be one quick interesting thing too um i just want to say this be careful what you wish for about the owners uh, look they've spent so much money yeah and like honestly i understand there's debt in the club that's a valid criticism. I understand the team hasn't been good, but like, I'm just saying, just be careful what you wish for because if you get a new ownership, well, let's just put it this way, it's it's well, you're, there's not going to be many people out there, even the ones that buy Man United, that are going to spend this much money. So just be careful what you wish for, but, you know. Right. No, I, I look, look, I I get mad at 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 FSG for not spending money sometimes, but. The club has achieved this level of success that I, when I first started following Liverpool as closely as I did, I had no idea this was even possible. So yeah. it, it's, you know, it it's a it's a double-edged sword for sure. It it really is. It it really yep. is. Absolutely. Before we we kind of put a bow on our Premier League preview, Willie, um yep. I, I I do want to mention my relegation picks and how stupid that they look through two games, okay. at least for one of them. So my three relegation picks to start the year, and this was all, look, I haven't touched my notes from when we started laying out everything for our preview and then just didn't get around to it. I had this all laid out. I have three, the three B's going down, Brentford, Brighton, and Bournemouth. Those were the teams that I had going down. I think Brighton have lost a lot in Basuma and Kugurea. Potter's yeah. a great coach, but he has a lot of work cut out for him. And I think the result yeah. against United early on was good, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done at Brighton. Yep. Brentford, again, same thing. I the four nil result against United was not to yeah, was completely unexpected. Yep. But I, I just don't know. I have a feeling that that I, I don't know. I, I just had a weird feeling about about Brentford when I Brentford. kind of looked at everything. And then Bournemouth. I think they, they may run into the same thing that they ran into in their last season in the league when they when they got relegated. Just not a lot of not a lot of goals and, and just not a lot of not enough to convince me that they're going to stay up. So I don't know. I, I just had those three. And I want to throw them out there because this is why we try to do things before the start of the season. So then we look ridiculous after the fact, not, I guess, during when we talk about what we, you know, yeah. what we had before. Sure. I mean, it's it's I will say this. You know, Brighton's probably the one out of those where you most likely you're going to be like, yeah, they're that that one's likely not going to be right. Yeah, it could be wrong. But the other two, I would still say, I mean, you know, um, Brentford went on a huge losing streak last season or winless streak, I should say, but more. And, um, you know, they did some they did some nice business in the offseason and. Got a couple nice results, but um, that's a long season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go down. And look, Bournemouth, look, they had one great result against Villa, uh, which was very shocking because a lot of people were picking Bournemouth for relegation, and Villa had done all this great business in the offseason, and they, and they, you know, beat them good. But uh, I think it's way too soon to say uh, whether or not Bournemouth will go down. But um, Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. You know, we're two games in, so yeah. who knows? Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, uh, I don't know, I think the one important thing we got to touch, I think I had, I actually had Brentford, um, Bournemouth, and I want to say Fulham, which doesn't, I mean, Fulham looks really good through two games against Wolves and Liverpool, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the biggest talking point before we wrap up, I guess we should, we can touch on real quick, is I, I mean, you know, the alarm bells for Everton should be ringing right now. Um I know they lost to Chelsea and and um, a pretty good Villa team, but uh, on the road. But um, they are in big trouble. And uh, given the debt the club is in, like, and how the financial fair play thing was a really weird thing, I, I kind of think it's ridiculous they didn't get punished. Um, whatever financial fair play means anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I like Owen, what we should do a podcast on the po- Owen, what's to say that this club, if they go down, will, will ever be the same. I, I think we're at a point, Willie, where the, the financials in football are, are, are so important. You know, they call the championship, uh, they call the playoff, the championship final, the, the richest game in, in English football. Yeah, and that's all to do with the the revenue associated with being promoted and be and being a Premier League team. So, yeah. you know, look at a club like Sunderland, for example. I mean, Sunderland were one of the biggest clubs in England, and what are they? They're in League One now, I think. Yeah, and and it just shows you that in today's day and age. Staying in the league is so much more important than ever before for teams that yeah. are, you know, teams that are big like Newcastle and West Ham and Leeds and and, you know, and Everton and and yep. Villa, for example, who also got promoted relatively recently. It's so important for them to stay in the league because of the, the revenue associated with it. So if you go down, then who, you know, I. I yeah. To your point, I just don't think there is uh, any guarantee that you'll be anything remotely close to what you, yeah, you know, what know. you were, and it's it's not, you know, the the concept of who you were as a club gets kind of thrown out the window a little bit, and you have to focus on who you are in that moment. I mean, totally. Brentford were out of the top flight for seventy four years, and that was before that was in, yeah. you know in the nineteen forties, right in thirties when they initially went down. So it, it it's it's changing to the point where I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of the same teams in and around the the top flight. And yeah. it's just going to be so much harder to get back up to up to the top. If you Absolutely. are a big club that that went, I mean, Nottingham Forest have more Champions League than Manchester City. <laughs> and they've been yeah. relegated recently. I mean, they've been down in the in the in the, the lower leagues for for quite a while. Yeah. So, you know, there's just there's just no guarantee. I guess is is the way the way I'd put it. Yeah. No. There there's absolutely no guarantee. I would say it's more likely that you're a big club and you bounce back than a club like Burnley, who I, I don't know if they're yeah. Like something that's like that. that's but, a tough one. But but yes, there's absolutely no guarantee with the way things are, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Bravo, Carlo Ancelotti for the job he did. Oh, he he. I, the, why he signed for Everton was always confusing to me 
why he left. He was at kind of a low point. He came from the Napoli job, and you know, yeah, he, his stock was a little low. Yeah, but and now his stock could not be higher. That's right. <laughs> could not be. Could not be any higher. Um, before we kind of wrap it up, Willie, I want to look at this this upcoming week because there there are. You know, there are some some games I think to kind of kind of keep an eye on this week. It's uh-huh. obviously the focus is going to be on Monday Monday's game at Old Trafford, Liverpool against Manchester yeah. United. But going through the fixtures for this week, Tottenham yeah. uh, hosting Wolves at 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 home. I think yeah. they. I mean, we Wolves we talked about this earlier, but we just Wolves don't know. Trouble. Yeah. They, they, yeah. 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 They need to step it up a little bit. Palace hosting Villa. Uh, yep. I think that could be a pretty solid game for mid-table. Everton hosts Nottingham Forest. We can talk yep. about both those clubs in a second ago. Fulham and Brentford, kind of lower end of the table, but I think could be a really, like really that. good game. Yep. Leicester are hosting Southampton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You would assume Leicester would win that, but judging by the way they, they performed against Arsenal, uh, nothing really is a yeah. given. And Southampton, as we talked about, doesn't look good at all. Exactly, yeah. I'm surprised uh-huh. either one of us picked them to go down. Yeah, looking back on it, I think just the faith in Hassan Hurdle was really the, you know, only yeah. thing. Like that. I mean, he's he's kept them alive until now. So yes, he has. Uh, and then Bournemouth hosts Arsenal for the last game on Saturday. Uh, you'd expect Arsenal to go there and take all three yeah. points. I, I don't think there's any any real debate. Here's where it gets a little more interesting, though. The, the three games, the two games on Sunday are fascinating, in my opinion. Absolutely, the three games on Sunday. No, because United's on on Monday. No, oh, but there's Ham, Leeds, Ham. Leeds, Chelsea, West Ham, Brighton, and Newcastle City. Oh, West Ham's on Sunday. West Ham's on Sunday, yeah. So okay. Leeds, Chelsea, and West Ham United both Sunday morning. They get the first slot, and then Newcastle host Manchester City. We haven't talked about Newcastle a whole lot for a team that just got injected with a ton of money. <laughs> but, but but to be fair, because of the financial fair play, they barely did anything. That is true. Yeah, exactly. Like barely. And, you know, but you know, financial fair play is a joke because Manchester City and PSG are still buying players <laughs> left, right, and center. Yep. That that's always a confusion. I think I don't know who's more confusing, PSG or, or City, because PSG had the collaboration with Nike with the with Jordan, and yep. you know, obviously they have three of the highest profile players in the world: yeah. like Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. But I don't know. I, I just I I don't they're, know which one of those. They're different. They're definitely different. Um... I think City is a little bit worse in my opinion, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree, but I'm also yeah, I'm also biased. Uh, and then of course the big one, Manchester United Liverpool. How do you see that one going, Willie? Uh, Man, Man United Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Um, I see three nil Liverpool. <laughs> oh my god! Like I kind of see a, a a game where. You know, Liverpool go up 2-0 in the first half, and then the second half's kind of even, but then Liverpool get a late goal. That's just kind of how I see it. Well, that would be uh, that would be nice. That would be a nice result to see. Yep. So, a lot of, lot of interesting stuff to look forward to this season. And, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but this is a World Cup year, and the World Cup falls. Oh, we got to do a lot of the season, so yes. we'll have to talk about that. As we... Who did the TV for that month? Absolutely. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> could could gladly do without it, honestly. This yep. World Cup specifically. 
but that that just about wraps up the the Premier League side of it. I know there's there's a lot to look forward to, and this is going to be a yeah. weird year. And and obviously we're starting earlier than usual w- w- with the World Cup. Yeah. But yep. Willie, I think it's time. It's the segment you all know. Oh, the yeah. segment you all love. It is our hot take segment. Willie, yeah. lay lay on your hottest takes for us. What do you got? All right, we can go back and forth. I got a couple. Yeah, go for it. All right, let's go first. Um. So this one, it didn't, someone said this, and so it didn't directly come from me, but I had to ruminate on it, and I, I think it is still pretty interesting because, you know, I do really like football, and I've been, I listen to the Feinbaum show quite a lot, but um, one of the reporters, he said that, um if there's a game that Alabama would drop, I don't remember whether or not they said this actually happened, but he he said that um, the one they'd be most likely to drop would be Tennessee. And I, 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 I'm going to go just go ahead and take the step and say that Tennessee's actually going to beat Alabama. And um, I, I don't know, Tennessee, I understand they cover a lot of SEC, but I think Tennessee is one of the most interesting teams in football they're a resurgent program with hypo and i mean everyone's been talking about how good their offense is going to look this season and um i that to me is going to be the major upset i i couldn't go there i i thought about taking you know florida over uga and jacksonville but uh i've got to say i just i kind of think that you know, kind of like Texas A&M last year, maybe maybe Tennessee could just nip them in a 38-35 game, even though Alabama is supposed to be by far the best team on paper this season. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that that Tennessee beats Alabama. In the I mean, I mean Willie, you realize if you would have said – if you would – I know you didn't, but if you would have said that Florida would beat Georgia this year, then I wouldn't talk to you for a week. You realize that, right? <laughs> No, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't. I don't take it. I'm not. I'm not that that intent. I mean, neither one of us went to Georgia or Florida, so it, it's fine. But yeah. uh, I, I don't. I mean, look. <sighs> I say this every year. I say I with almost without fail. You've known me for a while, and and I've said yeah. this pretty much every year. You've known me. Bet against Alabama at your own peril. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Every year. And look. The only teams that have been able to do it, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. And that's it. That's the list. Yeah. You know, you know when it counts. And obviously, they've lost in the regular season to the AMs of the world and Auburn and whatnot. But when it counts in, in the big games, it's it's been Clemson, OSU, and Georgia. And only yeah. one of those teams will consistently play Alabama, and it's usually Georgia because Clemson sure. kind of is in the, in the you-know-what now. And um, I don't know. Ohio State, they... So I have an issue with the AP ranking also, also to start the year. Like to, to to blatantly disrespect Georgia at number three, I think is 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 bush league. Okay. Personally, well, like yeah. if Alabama won the title last year, no one would complain about the number one ranking. But Georgia won the national title last year, defending yeah. champions. Yes, they lost players yeah. to the NFL draft, but Kirby Smart routinely has one of the top recruiting classes, if not the best recruiting class in college football. So it, it's it, I don't get it honestly. That's fair. Okay. But, no, yeah, I, 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 you know. 
Ohio State might have an historically great offense this year, but I understand. I understand. Oh, okay. They just just casually. <laughs> just oh, by the way, Ohio State might just casually have an all-time great historic offense. Okay, Willie. Come <laughs> on. Uh, no, I'm just giving you. I'm just giving you grief. And I mean, yeah. No, I. I yeah. So there, uh, there you go. No, I'm excited. I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm, I'm very excited for college football this year. Uh, you know, Me it, too. it's. I, I feel like it's. it's I love it in general, but I'm yeah. very. Excited. It, it's just like I, for me. I don't know about you, but I feel like it. It's like it. It went away for a little bit, almost like the the you know because because I've been focused on baseball and and yeah. obviously I've been focused on sports in general. And there's been obviously the the live stuff with the PGA Tour and, yeah. and all that all that fun stuff. Um. But. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the season. I think there's, there's, you know, the SEC is is such an interesting conference because no matter how many times there may be like a, a huge a huge upset where like Tennessee or like Kentucky, for example, to throw in just some random school, will beat like Alabama or Georgia yeah. or you know one of the big boys. Um, it, it it always just ends up being Georgia and Alabama. And there was right. obviously the one year with uh, with LSU, but LSU. that was you know obviously that was a, a yeah one of the biggest flashes in the you know flash in the pans we've yeah. ever seen. It was also That's, a lot of fun just to watch Joe Burrow go to work. That was that yeah. was fun. Sure. No, absolutely. You're right. Um, it it usually ends up being with that. The uh, I've heard the nickname say Georgia's in the SEC least, but. Um, <laughs> Hey, Georgia didn't draw the divisions. That's all I'm saying. But man, I mean, when you think about LSU with Brian Kelly now, I mean, they know they're not great, but like, you know, and um, and Texas A&M, how great they're supposed to be in Ole Miss. Like, oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to see how good of a coach Brian Kelly really is in an actual conference and not just sure. any actual conference. Look, I the, think he's a better coach than Ed Orgeron. We'll just say that. Well, Ed Orgeron has a national title, so. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, All right, but yeah, why don't you give your next? Yeah, week? so so I, I'm trying to figure out like what exactly this take is, but obviously, you know, we talked about this in in yeah. April, and I think before that in like February when it first started getting off the ground. But live the live golf series has been kind of in golf's, you know, yeah. golf's general conversation for the better part of the last six months and i said it wouldn't get off the ground i was wrong about that it has gotten off the ground it's poached a lot of the best players from the pga tour namely the uh the bash brothers brooks and uh dustin johnson uh-huh. cam smith is rumored to to go to to live at the end of this year as is mark leishman that would be huge yep. but what i will say willie is this mm-hmm. the pga tour had a meeting and by PJ Tour, I mean the, some of the players had a yep. meeting with Tiger earlier this uh-huh. week. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And no one really knows what what was discussed in that meeting. A lot of things were rumored to be on the table. But my take is that a lot of the players in the PGA Tour are threat are gonna they're gonna threaten to boycott not just the tour, but the majors mm. as well if the majors allow live to exist yep. in this way yep. if and 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 here's here's what i'll say 
the the one deciding factor in whether or not Liv is is going to be is going yeah. to have staying power. The one deciding factor is the World Golf Rankings points. Yeah. If the World Golf Ranking Committee decides to allow players who participate in live events to get World Golf Ranking points from from playing those, then then live is here to stay and the PJ Tour is finished. I get all hinges on that. I agree. My God. And I look, I hope it doesn't happen. But I think I think we have not truly heard or felt Tiger's impact on the sport as of yet, as it pertains to like the live versus PGA tour discussion. I don't think we've heard from Tiger yet. And I think when we when we do, it's going to be massive. Which is not necessarily a hot take, but like it's it's you never think of any sport whether it's individual or team where one individual or one team can have that big of an influence over literally everything else well i i I think you know and it's kind of interesting because um well, two things. Number one, I fully agree with you that it, it fully hinges on the world ranking points. Um, I mean, I saw one article today which talked about how actually, like, the there's a the court date for the big antitrust hearing is like at the end of July, I believe, right around or maybe even after the Open Championship. I could be wrong next year. So it's very possible that because of the first court ruling that just happened where they denied a preliminary injunction that live players won't be able to play any of the majors next season. Um, I would say that, to be honest, like, I this is probably a really hot take in itself. Look, I'm not privy in, in these meetings, but I, I honestly don't really know what's going to come out of the Tiger thing. And how much value it's going to add. And the reason is this. The one thing that Tiger said, which I really agreed with during the Open Championship when he when the press conference was that, um, where's the incentive to practice? And, and, and players wanting to compete. And also, like, the importance of the majors. And, and I do think that the strongest thing that the tour has is, like, the ability to compete. Like, it really means something. Right. Mm. But at the end of the day, I just think that there's too many structural issues with the tour, as much as I dislike the live tour for the human rights. And I think that I don't know what Tiger will be able to do. Like, I'm sure he, he added a lot of positive things. I think that he can't fix the fact that players seem to have very little attachment to day in day out tour events they would rather have the guaranteed money they don't seem to really care that much about the regular tour events um enough so where that would the competition would really keep them around it doesn't fix the fact that you know players want some type of guaranteed money doesn't fix the fact that 
the PGA Tour has been extremely reactive in that I know they say it came from the rainy day fund, but as soon as Live Tour started, the purses just went up. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I I think that there is very much and 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 people have said this, so I'm not new. Um, look, I think if your bottom line is this, type the the meeting was held of the 20 prominent stars. Now, if you're a star like this who's made a lot of money. Unless you're on the real backside of your career, you know, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think you have very different desires than the rest of the tour. Like you want to, you have all your money secured, so you want to compete. You want the competition legacy. But for everyone else, like the whether you're a, a someone who's a player like James Hahn, who, you know, is struggling to keep his card right now just because he's gone through bad form or you're someone at the end of their career you're someone in the middle age who could have a huge contract like i just don't think your desires are the same and so as crazy as it sounds like you know one of the phil mickelson's idea actually where he he, he equated supposedly congress to the tour where there's different bodies who votes i i think holds true sorry that was a very long way of saying that i just don't think that the top 20 stars necessarily hold the same interest as the rest of the tour yeah no that's fair that's 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 a fair a fair fair point to make because it's it's again it's an individual sport and the pga tour membership is i i think it's well over 200 between current current tour uh, uh, card holders and exempt guys. I think yeah. I don't know what the deal is, but there's there's a lot of guys on tour and and, and everyone has different opinions based on where they are in their careers. So yeah. look, how it plays out I think is really interesting and, and we won't know for sure for a while, but I think we're we're in the middle of a very important turning point in in golf for for the long term. Yeah. So something to watch for sure. But Absolutely. I mean that's really the only the only take that I had for this for this week. Okay. Sure. Okay. So I got I got two more which we can we can run through real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, which I alluded to earlier, I I was kind of saying it, but I I do actually believe that the Padres won't make the playoffs because yeah. I just really like the Brewers. Mm. So that that's they've been skidding a little bit here, and yeah. you know, I really like their team. You know, I, I like Drury, but, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about it. So that that's the first. You you disagree with that? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I do, oh. I do think they will, they will put two and two together once the, the, the general firestorm from the Tatis suspension and the hype from the Soto and, and Bell and Drury trades wear off and, and Hater as well. Once those all settle down and, and those guys kind of really okay. fully settle in i think then they'll start to get going there have okay. been some signs of it and you know the obviously with with bell not playing well and soto not ha, you know having a down year by all intents and purposes teams still don't want juan soto to beat them so they're going to make manny machado do it and machado well, is that's why soto leads the league in walks by far I mean, right because he he's i mean how many quality pitches per ab as in quality hitting quality pitches to hit 
is he seeing per AB? I, I, I would judge, I would, I would assume, I don't know the metric off the top of my head, but I assume it's very, very low. I, I don't think teams are, are pitching, you know, I don't think teams are throwing, you know, 90 miles an hour right down the middle to Juan Soto. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. I don't, I, I don't know for sure, but. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you would be hard pressed to to bet against against the Padres figuring it out with that much talent, even though the Brewers are and have shown to be a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to judge. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. All right. Um, and your final take for the night, Willie. Yeah, my final take, and um, this one is uh. I mean, what we will see, I could look really foolish, and I, I don't even know how much of a hot take this is, but it depends on who you ask. But I do think that, I think that whether it's this season or the start of next season, the MLB's highest paid player, Scherzer, I think we're going to see a huge decline. It's my prediction. Decline in production from Scherzer. I think he he's going to go to a average starting pitcher. Well, That's I mean, high. he is at the end of his career. Yeah, you know, he he is. I think he after this contract is up, he's done. If not before that. Yeah, but he you know he he's got quite a big contract. You know. Yeah. I I I would I would say that we will see here you here you have it. I will say we are going to see when he comes when he's fully grooved from injury. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say we're going to start to see it this season. Like like I know he had the game I know they won the game uh the they did snap the Braves winning streak the other day. Yeah, that was that was that was a dumb game yesterday. That that but game made me I, really upset just because Jake Odorizzi pitched more than like an inning. <laughs> God, he's trash. Yeah, you don't he's like him. So but trash. I will say, I, I just think that we will see some really shaky starts from Scherzer in the postseason. That's my. I think that is the hottest take of the three, honestly. Because Scherzer, I mean. I heard someone say this, like Scherzer is a, you know, he's a huge big game pitcher and you pitch him a lot. So I, I'm going to say that we're going to start, he's going to have a couple shaky performances and very similar to Kershaw, there's going to be questions about is he, is he just, is he just um, his best days behind them kind of thing as well as he pitched. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I don't even think that's the hot take because like I said, he had a dead arm in the postseason last year. I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is that is true. I mean, it it honestly is a toss up because pitchers are so. It's just it's such a hard thing to get right because not only are hitters so good now, mm-hmm. and the the level is so high for pitchers to be able to to like pitch recognition is so yep it, it's such an important thing these days and there's so many good pitchers with good eyes who can just you know mm-hmm. they spit on on they'll spit on a breaking ball down and away 
and they'll wait for they'll wait for something out over the plate and you know when you don't have the overpowering stuff that scherzer does and and yep. you know it, it i don't know pitchers are, are weird ones to 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 get right and and sometimes you can be effective without having the velocity without having your a stuff and scherzer is one of the best at doing that at one of the best at just grinding and fighting throughout a game so i i do think that is the hottest of the three takes that you've you've presented because i i i think that there's a certain level of i don't know i mean he like he hasn't pitched a lot this year which yeah he pitched pretty much all of last year and you know that's why he had a dead arm because he was used so frequently he actually said he was used too little oh really i thought it was the other way around Last year, he said that he actually complained that the Dodgers were resting him too much. Which... <laughs> well, the the Mets will not be resting him. I can guarantee you that much. Yeah. So I think that that is going to be that could be the difference if he, you know, they really need that few headed monster, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Final Ooh. thought, Willie. How far do the Mets go in the postseason this year? Um, it's a good question. So, you know, I, it depends on the matchups, but let me, okay, let me just put it this way. It really depends on the matchups. Um, but I think, I'm sorry, but I'm giving my honest opinion here. Um, knock on wood, but I honestly think. Atlanta's going to win the National League again. And so I think the Mets will get as far as anybody until they play them. So you think it's Braves, Mets, NLCS? If the matchups work out the right way. Like, I don't think anyone will beat the Braves but them. That's right. You think the Dodgers are going to... You think the Braves can't... You think the Braves going to be the Dodgers? I do. I think wow. Wow. That would be a, that would be something. <laughs> Freddie Freeman... I don't trust any of the Dodgers starting pitchers that have little name recognition. I just really? Don't. Well, we. I mean, yeah. I. I. I guess that's 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 fair. I mean, you and I texted about Walker Bueller earlier today, but yeah, they Joey made this far without him. So I. I don't know. But just imagine that, though, Willie. Imagine if the Dodgers get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, because at the rate that they're going, they're going to have a bye, and. Yep. This this is the first season we've really ever had a bye like this. Well, outside yeah. of the COVID shortened season. Yep. But that was also a different Dodgers team. A huge advantage to have the bye. Huge in my opinion. It could be a detriment though cuz you're not playing baseball. You're not playing. Yeah, but it, it could it could series, bro, a best of 3. Oh it screws God. up your rhythm though. No, I know. I You know, I, it, it, I, I I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, do I is having a buy really all that much of a good thing? I think in the best of three, you don't want. I I don't think you want to ever take the risk. Um, but what I will say real quick is, I I I know what you're saying about the rhythm. I would say this. Let's just. This is gonna sound crazy, but I look. Is it far fetched? Maybe, but. I don't know. The Dodgers lost two out of three. It's now out of the realm of the possibility that they won't win the National League. 
Yeah, I, I out of the realm of possibility that say the Mets could catch them. That's all I'm saying. I, I think I'm, I'm standing by my World Series pick, Willie. I'm gonna stick with the Dodgers and six over the Blue Jays. I just, I just don't see anyone else beating them. Blue Jays gave the uh, Yankees a good beating today. I saw the score. Yeah, that is true. I mean, and and look, I'm not saying the Blue Jays are are yeah. going to make. Are a they charge. the most underrated team and under the radar team right now? I think they are, especially after firing a manager. I think most teams are like most teams have this perception of when you fire your manager midseason that you're kind of giving up. I, I I think they've done the opposite. I think they've, I mean, them and the Phillies have have kind of gone in the same direction. They fired their manager and they've been completely different ball clubs. Yeah, I mean Toronto was was they weren't a bad team when Charlie Montoya was manager, but for whatever reason he just lost the the locker room. I mean Bo Bichette even said he Bo Bichette talked about it when when Montoya got fired. He said, "Yeah, I mean I think it's just we we're just getting too many different ideas and and we just weren't on board with it." And yeah. I was like, "That is alarming to hear from from the face of your franchise." I wonder what different ideas means, yeah. or maybe not different. I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but he said something something to the effect of like. I'm happy he's gone. You know basically. what's so cool? Um, I just want to tell you this. Yeah. Because it's it's just crazy to me. So, John, I'm almost positive. Because you know I used to have season tickets and go all the time to see the Syracuse Chiefs play. Yeah. And John Schneider played for Syracuse like when I was there. Really? And, yeah, dude, it's so funny. Because I vividly remember, like vividly remember – um. So I vividly remember Kevin Cash like playing. Yeah. And I remember the announcer saying John Schneider a bunch of times. So I'm almost positive that he I've seen him play a lot with Syracuse. So I, I just want to say I think that's funny because, you know, Syracuse used to be the Blue Jays. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, John Schneider, like he, you know, he was there. And I mean, he's only 42. So it's 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 yeah, entirely like, likely. Was, Let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He played for the. Dunedin Blue Jays, 2004, AAA yep. Syracuse. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And also, you know who's from, you know who who's from the very close by. No one talks about, which is so funny. Is Greg Sankey? He's a local. Really. He's not from Syracuse. He's from Auburn, but you know, <laughs> we're yeah. right. Very, very close. So. Greg Sankey, for those who aren't as familiar, is the commissioner of the SEC, the premier conference in college football. Yeah. I will not hear any arguments to the contrary. (laughs) Starting to ruin the sport. (laughs) Hey, all I'm saying is Oklahoma doesn't know what's about to hit them. Neither does Texas. No, they don't. But they don't. (laughs) They don't. They definitely don't. I agree. Uh, They're going to get get swarmed by a pack of dogs. Oh, yes. And, sure. and Alabama. That's 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 not going to be fun for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but folks, I think that's our show. We've we've gone through a lot. We've we've obviously been gone for a few months, and this is our second episode back in the in the last couple of weeks. So we're we're hopefully going to be back into a bit more of a rhythm and bringing you content more more frequently. And so we'll we'll be in a, a groove of talking about this. We've got a lot of really stuff, exciting stuff on the horizon with baseball kind of edging towards the postseason. College football's on the way back, and. We're we're in the Premier League season at long last, and uh, those those Reds, I'm talking about Liverpool. Those Reds need some help. They they are they 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 gotta get they gotta get something going. Something's gotta change. But any any last 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 thoughts, Willie? Yeah, I mean, 
I just want to say I think it's I mean not just because I like him, but I actually think look I, I want to respect the legal process, but I really do think like just and I could be way wrong because I don't know the legal process, but I can't believe like seriously like forget what you think about both people. I can't actually believe that Patrick Reed is going through to sue the golf channel and Brandel Chamblee. And I think it's, it tells something about the person. Like tells, to be honest with you, it really tells something about the person. Like he feels, he feels, he doesn't feel bad about suing these things for all they're worth. Literally. He has, he's that. He's he's suing them for 750 mil. Patrick Reed. Okay. So for those who don't know, Patrick Reed is one of the professional golfers who defected from the PGA tour to live. He's one of the most disliked players on tour. If you ask a lot of, a lot of tour pros, uh, he is suing Brandel Chambly of the golf channel and in the golf channel for $750 million. He doesn't feel a, con- a guilty conscience about this for, for defamation. And I'm like, dude, you do the, you did this yourself. <laughs> Peter Costas said this in 2020. He said he saw Patrick Reed improve his lie. No less than seven times. That's incredible. That is. That. That's like one of the principles of golf is you play it how it lies. Yeah. And and Peter Costas doesn't have an agenda. Peter Costas isn't on some like crusade no. against any player in particular. <laughs> yep. he, he's I mean, I to me, I, I, I almost spat out my coffee when I read that. I was like, what? Seven hundred and fifty million dollars. There's no way he's getting a penny of that. Ugh, it's just it's well i i mean i would feel i look i would be nervous like geez man like these people these things could lose so much money if they yeah so i'm i'm just i'm very i'm curious to see how it plays out he but. actually would go through them and i i just i like you know yeah he he must have found out that the live money wasn't as uh wasn't as 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 uh as clean hope, as he thought I it was or something like that they have to pay the other legal fees because yeah otherwise that would stink they got to spend all this money defending themselves right. for easily yeah. yeah what a what a note to end on but that that that's the the state of the world at the moment i guess but yeah big thank you for listening this has been hot takes only episode 50 new episodes hopefully every friday from here through the end of the year 7 a.m pacific time anchor.fm slash hot takes only Spotify, Apple podcasts, you know, all the good places you get your good podcasts. Willie, my guy, thanks for hopping on and talking sports for the last two hours, three hours. It's been forever. Yeah, folks. Appreciate you for listening until next time. We out.